0: Welcome you live to WCW Monday Nitro. We are in Tampa, Florida, and we are live and looking outside of the Steinbrenner Entertainment Hall of the Florida State Fairgrounds in Tampa. And there you see legend, the NWO, making their arrival right at the beginning of the program look at this disgusting display here they are
1: a bunch of soulless men tony turned themselves into a bunch of robotized sheep all following the checkbook of ted DiBiase. personally i find them as men disgusting examples
0: there is no question that this is a gang that has made a profound impact on our on our sport see look at they're turning away and running away no, they're not Wait, wait a minute, who's down? Someone is down out what? there. What's going on, who is that anyway?
2: What? It's one of the NWO guys. What happened? Talk to me. Who was it?
0: What? Well, there's I an NWO know. that looks. <laughs> apparently, as they are making their way into the trip or did someone attack him? I don't is know it? who it is. I have no idea who it is either. It. Now we saw wait a minute, we saw, as we are back in the arena right now, we saw that six was there. Mark Bagwell. We also saw it was Paul and Nash, the outsiders, and someone went down. Yeah, you know, I didn't see Scott Norton out there, did you? Not at first. I saw Bubba walk in. I, think... I don't know. I couldn't see.
3: Welcome to where the big boys play. Welcome to 20 Years of Nitro, our chronological breakdown of World Championship Wrestling's flagship show, where each episode is viewed, reviewed, analyzed, and categorized as we compile an audio anthology of our tour along the southern front of wrestling's Monday Night Wars. I am your host, Tim Root, and with me... (laughs) As always, it's my broadcast colleagues, Malicious and Suspicious, Dave and John Amentorp. How are you guys doing this week? I'm doing good.
4: I'm ready for Red Hot Wrestling action. Let's do it. (laughs) I'm ready uh, for the road to Super Brawl 7. Uh, a pay per view that we will not watch. <laughs> 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 that we,
5: we will not watch and have never seen. Right? Yeah,
4: we will. Uh, and to clarify, uh, I mean, you guys may
3: not. I will watch it. We were mm-hmm. not going to do a full episode on yeah. it as we've done for other pay per views. <laughs> it is not, uh, you know, all those other shows either are infamous, like a uh, uh, sold out, or you know, had really big things that turned the the course of WCW in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Super Bowl Seven is the first show that we've had in, in quite a while that just feels like a show. That does not require any special update from a Nitro focused podcast. Sure. <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> so we're excited for the go home episode. Is what <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> uh,
3: before we get into today's show, I do want to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at 20 Years of Nitro. You can check us out on Facebook. Uh, don't bother. Fuck that. I'll remove it from my notes in the future. <laughs> and of course, you can email the show at 20YearsOfNitro at gmail.com. Now, some other quick business to get out of the way before we get into this Nitro is a uh, format change. Uh, we're going to eliminate the worldwide episodes. Uh, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about it. It just it's a lot of extra work, as I'm sure if you mm-hmm. listen to the show regularly, you can understand how that would be. Uh, so we are going to continue giving raw results and the ratings each week. We'll do that at the end of the show. And I will um, continue to talk about the most important wrestling news of the week so we mm-hmm. kind of get a historical context. Uh, but it just won't be as fleshed out as as worldwide was. There was just a lot of extra note taking and recording and editing. And uh, if we can streamline this process in the hopes that it puts out more episodes of actually just covering Nitro uh, instead of one every six months, I think is about <laughs> our pace right now. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be kind of every uh, to everyone's benefit.
4: And uh, and also, there's plenty uh, podcasts out there that will give you like full results of those Raws anyway. Sure. You know.
3: Yeah. Raw, raw is well covered territory. That's that's true. Uh, but I do want to get to one segment that we uh, would have covered in Worldwide had we done one after the last episode, uh, and that's corrections and omissions because there's just a couple of interesting things. Twenty years of nitro would like to make the following corrections. The following corrections. Uh, first, we talked a lot in that last episode. Randy Anderson's family came out. You may recall to beg for his job back. Eric wouldn't give it to him. Yep. Uh, we wondered if that was really Randy Anderson's wife and kids. And uh, I reached out to friend of the show, Dave Penzer, who confirmed that, yes, uh, that was his real family. And said that Chase Anderson, who I said was pretty good on that Nitro, he is now a working actor. Uh, so I looked him up, and he recently played an, uh, a waiter on an episode of Heels. So they are like, you know, they're giving nice. back to the wrestling world. And he was pretty funny. I actually thought he was good. So uh, hopefully Chase Anderson uh, keeps developing that career. He's a, he seemed like a funny guy. Also, uh, when Montana Anderson was introduced, Eric Bischoff said it was a nice name. Uh, and, John, you speculated that it might be a reference to Eric living in Montana. Uh, Devin Rowliff, one of our loyal listeners, he reached out to point out that Eric lives in Wyoming. <laughs> It is actually that he has a daughter named Montana. Montana Bischoff is his daughter. Ah. Uh, So that was sort of the inside joke they were doing. Uh, So for pointing that out, I do want to plug Devin's wonderful book on English soccer players playing soccer over in South Korea. It's called Who Ate All the Squid? Find it on Amazon. Find it. uh, I don't know if it's at your local bookseller. Go to check out. uh, Just go and look for who ate all the squid. I don't think that's a phrase that's probably tied to a lot of things other than this book. There's so many books with that name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we did want to shout that out. uh, And he's a good Twitter follow as well, especially if you uh, want to hear a lot about uh, soccer stuff that I don't normally understand.
4: No. All right.
3: Uh, The one other really important stuff that we would have covered because it pertains to last week. So I want to make sure to mention it here at the top of the show is last Thursday on Raw. Uh, Raw was preempted either for tennis or dogs, one of the two. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Raw was on Thursday, and that is the infamous Raw where Shawn Michaels has lost his smile and surrenders the WWF championship to Vince McMahon, gives a promo, says his knee is fucked, he's lost his smile, (laughs) boo-hoo-hoo. It seems to be a combination of exhaustion at, at kind of being asked to carry the company in the ways that a champion does. Uh, and the fact that he is not looking forward to losing a couple high profile matches coming up, including to Bret Hart at WrestleMania. Uh, so then the final four match uh, at In Your House Final Four, which was originally to be the, uh, for the number one contender, and it was the it was Steve Austin and the three men he eliminated the Rumble after illegally re-entering said Royal Rumble. Uh, that that match then became for the championship. It was won by Bret Hart. So Bret Hart as of Last night, in our timeline, is your WWF champion. Yes. Uh, So we will get to what happens on Raw at the end of our show, Mm -hmm. but it does heavily involve Bret Hart in that championship. But for now, wrestling's number one program is on the air, and today is February 17th, 1997. I've turned 14 a mere three days ago, and we are coming to you live from the Florida State Fairgrounds in front of 3,000 fans, which I know sounds low, but it's the max that this venue can hold, so it, it is a you know it's a sellout.
4: Yeah, it does not look like a really big arena when they have like the initial uh, pan out.
3: I will say the crowd, for being a crowd of three thousand, they sound like a crowd of ten yes. thousand. Yes, they're a hot, they're great all the way through. Uh, my kudos to this crowd. Uh, they paid a total gate of that can't be right. It says fifteen dollars. <laughs> oh. Fifteen thousand dollars. Okay, because to get in there were fifteen hundred premium tickets for ten dollars each and the rest were free on a first come, first come uh serve basis. Uh-huh. So it's fifteen thousand, but we have to assume the state fair probably paid WCW some kind of booking fee or you know, something. Yep. Um there were a lot of fans who showed up to the fair to get in for free and were turned away because it's just not a big venue. Mm-hmm. Uh so it was a really hot commodity. This is kind of... Um, I think they've they have done stuff at the fair before, if I'm not mistaken. We've certainly seen Steinbrenner uh, when they've been in Tampa before. Yeah. Uh, this this facility is actually named after the former owner of the Yankees, or the deceased owner of the Yankees. Uh, <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> Dave, there was just a little <laughs> smile on your face when I mentioned he was deceased. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just like
4: your fond memory of him dying. <laughs> creeping up. I was just... I was just thinking of, like, uh, watching this, and I'm like, ah, I don't like being reminded of George Steinbrenner. Sure, player. sure. Um,
5: Do you remember we were on vacation in Alaska when he died, and our brother-in-law, Eric, was all happy, and I was mad at him for it? <laughs> <laughs> Not because cause I was, like, a Yankee. I don't really care about baseball, but, like, yeah. I was nominally, like, a Yankees fan growing up. Okay. I thought it was a kind of poor taste, but now I'm just, like, i, 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 I but. <laughs> <laughs> that that's like one of the only memories of Alaska I actually have is being mad at my brother in law. <laughs> one
3: memory of Alaska yeah. Yeah. is being mad at my brother-in-law that George. he was happy George. I also bought a belt died.
5: there that I still use today. Oh, there you go. Yeah,
3: there you go. Uh this is the seventy-fifth episode of WCW Monday Nitro and the go home episode for February 23rd's Super Brawl Seven, where to remind you, because it has been a long time, uh Hollywood Hogan will defend his World Heavyweight Championship against Rowdy Roddy Piper. We kick off with the familiar sight of NWO members arriving to the uh, arena, the state fairgrounds, whatever you want to call it, via limousine. (laughs) It looks like we've got the entire group except for Bischoff and Hogan, although I think eventually they mentioned that it doesn't look like Scott Norton is there, so even when you think you're seeing the entire group, there's like four guys that are gone. You don't realize.
4: There's just too many of them.
3: Scott Hall looks back and notices something, and the entire NWO turns around and rushes backwards, only to find that Bubba has been laid out off-camera. Uh, it's just kind of obscured as the guys are walking towards the camera you can't quite see. You, if you really watch him, you see him kind of like suddenly step in a different direction, but we, we have, the point is we have no idea who assaulted him, how. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's completely off-screen. Somehow a guy 15 feet in front of him just looked behind for some reason and noticed yeah. he was on the ground.
4: And this feels like one of those um, moments where it's like you get the sense the announcers didn't know who was going to be attacked. Oh, they don't even know. Yeah, they're not sure it's Bubba for another like five minutes. They They don't (laughs) even
5: know for sure he's been attacked. They think he might have tripped. Yeah. Yeah. They check back on that like an, a half an hour later. They still think he might have tripped. Well, right.
3: a, good, a good early funny line is they're walking into the arena, and then when they turn around, before Larry knows why they turned around, he goes, See, they're going to run away. <laughs> <laughs> As if these guys took a limo to the event and then got
4: out of the car and then ran away in they, a panic. They just had a second thought of like, well, If we go in there, there's going to be WCW wrestlers. <laughs> Lex
3: Luger might punch me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go home, guys. <laughs> Let's get out of here. We then go into the arena with the announcer still kind of mystified, and Rey Mysterio makes his entrance as Tony and Larry manage to narrow it down to either Scott Norton uh, or Bubba as the man who was attacked. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, here to call all the action uh, of our own. uh, uh, (laughs) Trailing (laughs) off, Dave. It's Dave. Dave's gonna do it. (laughs)
4: Um. So Rey Mysterio is the one that's uh it gets like a formal introduction uh, down the ramp and everything, and his entrance uh seemingly gets an ovation boost from Nitro like also going live, at that point, and I feel like that that could be like um a bit of a trick that they could use more often, like if they it's like once the fans know it's time to cheer, then also bring out a face at the same time and kind of like boost up their the reaction to him. Sure, um, but I yeah it, it's like. Obviously, Rim Mysterio Jr. is popular, but it's like, it's kind of like above what you would expect to hear. Sure, yeah. Anyway, uh, Super Calo is also here, and who stacks up admirably with Psychosis as the Nitro wrestlers who consistently attempt to murder themselves in the ring. He right? does some crazy stuff this yeah. match. Yeah, he he throws caution to the wind. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Raised tights are also really awesome. Um, he has like a a leopard print on them. I am watching this uh nitro on the quality of like a 1997 vhs copy sure so you can't quite see it in, unless he's up close but the leopard print's like a nice like new and interesting touch to his ah, it looked beautiful on peacock baby no <laughs> <laughs> so super callow surprised me by finding a means of dropping right to the mat almost immediately for a leg lock but ray mysterio escapes just as quickly Callow keeps on the offensive, trapping Ray with, in a sleeper, but Ray Mysterio fights back, dropping Super Callow to the mat and dropkicking him in the back of the head. Ray misses on flipping over the top rope, uh, but still manages to get onto the apron, but his flying nothing is easily countered with a Super Callow dropkick. That-
3: I, I know I've mentioned this before, and I, I will mention it again. Uh, Ray getting dropkicked out of nowhere is one of my favorite spots in wrestling mm-hmm. uh there's the john morrison one that's the one that i always bring up uh, it's an icy title match they had when ray was suspended for steroids in like 2010 okay he had to drop the title on a smackdown match he had a great match with morrison uh-huh. and they just really nailed that spot it looked devastating and it like stands out to my mind is uh, it's not like the most amazing match we've ever seen of course but if you just isolate that one moment mm-hmm. it, that spot is just etched in my brain yeah as being great that's yeah that's cool
4: because like when it comes to the the uh, the flying nothing, um, it can vary as far as like how obvious it was right. that it was a flying nothing. This one seemed pretty obvious that it was a flying nothing. He just kind of comes off the ropes and just exposes himself to get drop kicked, pretty much. Uh, Super Callow comes off the far ropes, leaping over Ray uh, for an attempt at a sunset foot power bomb to the arena floor, but for some reason he holds up like literally he holds Ray Mysterio up in his hands. <laughs> he, he pulls him up to try to hit it again on the arena floor, but Ray flips out of it. Um, There's some indecision at this point before Callow rams Ray's head into the ring apron, then hits a missile dropkick from said apron.
5: Pretty good pop for that, too.
3: Yeah, yeah it's actually like a little because he does a springboard. He jumps from the apron to the second rope and then comes down with the dropkick. It looks, it yeah. looks, the camera misses a lot of the springboard part, but yeah. like when he comes flying in, it looks great. It yeah, does. It's, look
5: great. it's the Jericho springboard dropkick spot, except off the apron to the floor. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and I, uh, you're, said it was hard to like the camera didn't quite catch it i didn't catch the springboard part of it i just saw him come flying in with a drop kick
3: i do want to mention uh just there's a couple of things early on because we're starting the show so they kind of hype uh some aspects of the card we're going to get nick patrick versus randy anderson we're going to get sullivan guerrero conan the giant in a handicap match and a live interview with roddy piper from alcatraz
4: that's quite (laughs) that's quite a lineup
3: uh, Larry, when they mention Alcatraz, Larry wonders if Roddy is training with the ghost of Al Capone. Uh-huh. Uh, Capone was moved to the newly opened Alcatraz in 1934, where he played banjo in the prison band The Rock
4: Islanders. That must be the reference he was going for.
3: Until he was paroled in 1939 while dying of syphilis. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's also... Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think
5: that's why uh, Tom Petty left the uh, Traveling Wilburys, too. R- Syphilis. Syphilis? Nah, I'm just kidding. Nope.
4: You can <laughs> cut that. <laughs> um, it's also interesting to, like, when Zabisco makes a reference to think, like, how many decades old is that reference? Right. Like, this, <laughs> that's, like, 50 years old. Yeah. Um, so there was that, as mentioned before, that sunset flip powerbomb to the arena floor mm-hmm. that, that Supercattle held up on. I don't know what, exactly what happened, but my guess is that Callow realized they were far too close to the guardrail and decided to just hold up at the last moment, moment rather than have Ray hit his head on the guardrail.
3: There is that. There is also the fact that right behind the guardrail at that exact part is where the, George Steinbrenner, Steinbrenner is sitting. Yeah. And maybe Callow was like, "Ooh, I can't injure a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> right. There are many things I can do. <laughs> Although I'm he does silly. come close to kicking Steinbrenner in the balls in about two minutes. So <laughs> good.
4: Also pretty much all the time when you see Steinbrenner he's just laughing.
3: Yeah, he seems to be having a ball. Yeah. I, he's one of my least favorite uh, like famous people, people at this yeah. point in history. Uh-huh. Uh just like remembering when I was that age. Yeah. Uh, there's greater evil in the world than George Steinbrenner for sure, mm. but Well, I, now there is. I, <laughs> right, but I just I like as a kid that was the level of evil I was capable of contemplating mm-hmm. was a bad baseball owner. Uh but he is. Yeah, he's having a ball. He looks like he's with his grandson. He looks like they're just having a great time. Yeah,
5: I, I was going to say, I think maybe one of the kids must be a wrestling fan.
4: Um, so at this point, so Super Calo is back in the ring and he hits a slingshot senton to Ray on the arena floor. So, obviously, he's just looking out for Ray's health and not right. his own.
3: Yeah, because yeah, I think that on that's when his leg, because uh, there's not a lot of room between the ring and the guardrail. Yeah. So, when he lands, his foot just goes between the bars of the guardrail and basically <laughs> ends up in George Steinbrenner's lap.
4: Yeah. And at that point, you can you can hear Supercalo groaning because yeah. <laughs> cause he hit his leg. And at that that's when I kind of realized, like, oh, maybe he did, like, that's an example of, like, how close that guardrail is, and maybe that's why he held up for Rey Mysterio. Yeah,
5: and that's a really cool move. Like, he was on the show last week, too, and every time he looked like he was about to do something cool, he fucked it up somehow. <laughs> this match, he did, like, two or three really cool things. Yeah, it's Super just,
3: Calo is he's inconsistent, but he's capable of great spots. He
5: dreams big. It's yeah. just yeah. the execution isn't <laughs> yeah. always
4: where it needs to be. And every time, like, Super Calo wrestles, I'm always amazed when I look and see, like, he wrestled, like, a full career. Like, he didn't right. have a point where it's like, oh, he injured all of the parts of his body and can't mm-hmm. wrestle anymore.
3: Him and the other guy you mentioned, psychosis. Yeah. Psychosis also. Very long career that you just would not expect working the style they do. Yeah, right.
4: considering his finisher was the guillotine leg drop, right. too. <laughs> right. At this point, Tony Schiavone recalls that on Saturday night, the Steiner brothers were, quote, involved in an automobile accident and will not be in the Four Corners match at Super Bowl, which sucks. Yes. Because it would um, it's, be them... Faces of fear, public enemy Harlem heat yep yep okay yep and basically taking out the best team of that that that's yeah the
5: only team with two good wrestlers yeah. at it
4: <laughs> what's weird is that uh, and I actually think it's
3: later during a different match, but Tony speculates because it's supposed to be a number one contenders match yeah. And later he's like, "Well, if the Steiners aren't in it, I guess it's not a number one contenders match anymore." It's like, "Why not?" I, that, yeah. just, that part's weird. Yeah, to me. he
4: he claims that like if the Steiner brothers are not involved, you can't really be determining number one contender. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't feel like that really like passes the test. Like. That's
3: acting like the rating system is a lot more sophisticated than just
4: random, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, also, at this point, we get a shot of Bubba getting loaded up into the meat wagon. Yes. Um, wee-oo, wee-oo. But in fact, we we miss almost an entire minute of in-ring action to watch Bubba get put into an ambulance with his uh, Wall Street riding along to the hospital.
5: Oh, and did you see he had like the oxygen mask on? His <laughs> <It> was awesome.
4: <laughs> yeah. Guys will get in like a, a
3: 45. I mean, not for not WCW, but a 30 minute match, let's say, uh-huh. and get hit in the head multiple times. and They're fine. Bubba, one thing mm-hmm. happened to him and he's off. He's not bleeding even, yeah. but he's off to the ER.
4: Yeah, and in in theory, at this point, he might have just tripped. <laughs> right. For all we know. <laughs> I guess there's a possibility, if,
3: if you're just taking this at face value, he just had a heart attack is, like, the most likely thing <laughs> <True>. <laughs> that
4: could have happened at this point. I just also thought it was really touching that, like, Wall Street's like, I'm Brian Long to the hospital with him. <laughs>
5: right. Did he ever have a segment where he actually joins the NWO? Because I know he had, like, the Which, who Wall Street. Because he has, like, the WCW sign with, like, the Ghostbusters circle and cross out over it. He is,
3: um, I don't remember the exact, he's having a Nitro match against some other boring asshole. Mm -hmm. And, like, DiBiase comes out with a contract, it's seemingly just for the winner, Mm -hmm. and Wall Street wins the match and they signed him to the NWO. That's basically (laughs) how it
4: happened. Yeah. That sounds about right. Uh, Returning to the match and it appears Super Calo was on the offensive the entire time we were gone. But his attempt for a roll-up is countered by a back elbow, followed by a a springboard-twisting senton. That looked pretty cool. That was cool. Uh, Callow goes to the ring apron, where he dodges Rey Mysterio, who does his little, like, spin between the ropes that gets a solid uh, crowd reaction. It's weird, because
3: it eventually just becomes the 619. Mm -hmm. But so he never actually hits it in WCW. I mean, I, I assume at some point he will. But it's like, it's always a miss, and they still cheer, like, oh, he almost did that move but we've never seen the move. We've only seen the miss.
4: Yeah. I don't know if it, like at this point, it's just like a, it's a, a fancy looking counter to like, oh, you moved out of the way. Oh, see, sure. I, through, through yeah, ropes. I mean, it's
5: like Rick Martell doing the cartwheel, I think, except yeah. like when Ray does, it, I think he gets a pop because if he doesn't do whatever between the ropes move, you know, he's going to, you know, followed up with like mm. some springboard off the top instead.
3: I right. wonder if at some point somebody was like, "Hey, what if you do that thing you always do, and I just don't move, and you hit me in the face?" Yeah, and was like, "Wait a He's minute." Like,
4: hmm, did I see four NWO <laughs> members? <laughs> um, and it'll look even more impressive when later on Rocco Rock does it same. He does yes. the six one nine, yeah, <laughs> with mixed results. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he then leaves Callow hanging on the middle rope long enough to hit a leg drop from the top turnbuckle for two. Super Callow recovers, stopping Ray on the top turnbuckle and hitting him with a leg scissors takedown for two. Um, then Ray just kind of out of nowhere hits the springboard hurricorana for the pinfall victory. Uh, it was a springboard hurricorana, a.k.a. an acrobatic maneuver, according to Shivani. <laughs> He's not wrong. Um, he Shivani also mentions that Ray will be facing Lord Steven Regal for the television title at Super Brawl. With the noted um, stipulation that the match will have a no time limit, I can't wait for that one. Yeah, it's because he
3: specifies that because they've had, I think, two draws on Saturday night, um, or maybe even one on Nitro. It's I think so he had long. one on
4: Nitro where it was like that was not 15 minutes; it was like eight minutes or something right. like that.
3: But they've had they've had at least two time limit draws, yeah. so that's why they're they're kind
4: of advertising that like there will be a finish this time. Um, but as far as this match is concerned. It's Super Calo versus Rey Mysterio Jr. It's like exactly what you would expect out of them. You know, Super Calo does a bunch of moves where you're like, Why is he doing this to yeah. himself? <laughs> yeah. Uh Rey Mysterio there, I mean there's Timing issues here and there. I feel like that just kind of comes with the territory with Super Calo at times. I think he's a very typical luchador. Yeah.
3: where you're gonna get some sloppy stuff and you're gonna get some stuff that'll make your jaw drop, and that's just the exchange, and it's cool. It it worked fine for me. I I like the match just fine.
4: Yeah, and Ray going into the pay per view title match, I thought looked really good and got a whole bunch of his moves in. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really solid and just having. Such a like a high action match to begin the show is a great way to start. Absolutely.
5: Yep, that was good. The right guy won, and I always think it's good to give a guy a win on the go home show if they're going to be on the card.
4: So.
3: Well, we are promised after the break to get uh, Steve Mongo McMichael versus Hugh Morris. Like, oh, what a boy. different match! That <laughs> yeah. it really highlights WCW at this point, where you go from Ray and Super Callow to those guys. Yeah. <laughs> and there's interesting and exciting aspects of both. Like, they're mm-hmm. both there's different appeal completely. Yeah, uh, and so I was actually excited to hear that match. I was like, okay, and I think we've <laughs> seen it before. I think Mongo has taken on Morris on Nitro before. Probably. Um, But yeah, right after the break, Morris makes his way out to some new music. He doesn't have the laughing Dungeon of Doom music anymore. Hmm. Uh, The Horseman music introduces Mongo, his Halliburton case, and of course, Deborah McMichael. Larry compares Roddy at Alcatraz to Superman, uh, ruminating in the Fortress of Solitude. Hmm. Interesting. And so here to call all the action is our own Lex Luthor, John Amator.
5: Oh, baby. Um, So I'd want to note um, again here, um, because I think I probably called mongo's match on the last show too I'm, <laughs> I'm bred for this kind of torture um i th- still will always think the most important thing in wrestling is getting over getting a crowd to cheer for you sure, and yeah. you can't question that mongo is really over here um,
3: i was thinking that because I, I watched this first a week ago and did my notes and i was re-watching it this morning and he, he was coming down the aisle with deborah i was just thinking this guy's got charisma he has it he yeah. is a star mm-hmm. you, it's I mean, his ring work is what it is, but it's inarguable that he is a star and people view him as such. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Um, he, he obviously benefited from, you know, the first year of nitro. He was on every single episode doing commentary, but, um, I just thought that was no noteworthy anyway. Um, so Mongo starts it out with uh, basic stuff, some forearms in the corner, uh, corner and clothesline, a couple of the three point running tackles, clip in the knee of, uh, Hugh Morris. Um, Pausing to play to the crowd gets another huge reaction, um, or huge for a 3,000 uh, member, yeah. audience yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, then uh, misses a leg drop, actually sells the leg. What I thought was
4: cool. <laughs> that was cool. Um, that's pretty neat of him to do that. Yeah. So I was gonna get to
3: this because he he sells it throughout the show, actually, um, through the match and after the match and then later on. Dave Meltzer claims that he actually injured his knee, or he just says, like, manga, he. It's very offhand. It's like Mongo, who injured his knee during the match. Yeah. I almost feel like someone fed that to Meltzer to see if he would believe it. <laughs> oh, because yeah. I truly think he's selling. I like I you see what te- it happens, it seems like I think somebody was like, Hey, you know what? Let's boost Mongo's confidence by telling Dave that he really got injured and Mongo's gonna read that and be like, Wow, I must be getting yeah. good at this. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i right. Fabe.
5: Maybe they just fooled Meltzer. <laughs> Hugh Morris uh then does like uh abdomen headbutt and Slaps his belly a few times celebrate. It was a pretty good move. <laughs> um, working the left leg uh, on Mongo, and as we said, Mongo selling it like a pro. Uh, Hugh Morris goes for a big slam and goes to the corner for the moonsault, gets to the second rope, and then Mongo catches him in an electric chair and drops him backwards. I thought that looked really cool. Um, it's one of those like basic moves, but the bo- both guys are just such – they're just so big I thought it looked pretty cool. I'd also note uh, Tony Schiavone here says that uh, Hugh Morris is one of the most devastating members of the Dungeon of Doom, and uh, I agree because he's like one of the only ones that's consistently on TV. I mean, now that they don't,
3: trip. I mean, I guess you have to, you have to say Sullivan is. I don't enjoy Sullivan, but when mm. we see him, he's always just squashing some, Yeah. Yep. Um, and the Giants gone, so yeah, I, yeah, Morris is kind of by default yeah. one of the more devastating members. I mean, he's
5: like the 65th most devastating guy <laughs> in the roster, but as far as Dungeon <laughs> of Doom anyway. Um, and then we get a little talk about Miss Jacqueline, also speaking of the devastating members of the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, Hugh Morris back in control, goes for another slam and goes for the No Laughing Matter again. This time, Deborah slips the Halliburton in. Mongo holds it. Hugh Morris flips backwards, hits his face on it. Mongo rolls him over and pins him. And uh, Deborah says, now that's funny. And I
4: agree. <laughs> and the... And- the, the crowd went pretty wild for that because it was yeah, like cause, he's over. Well, because because the crowd knew something that Hugh Morris didn't know. Right. <laughs> right. Do they call that dramatic irony. <laughs> yes.
3: Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was pretty short, but like for what it was, it was good. This is what a match with these two guys. This is probably the ideal TV outcome. Right. This, yeah. It was it was good. I liked it.
5: Yeah. And Mongo's another guy wrestling at Super Brawl. So they give him a nice side. Uh, fairly decisive win here yep he's, he's he got the match
3: good. against uh Jarrett for uh if if Jarrett wins he will be a member of the four horsemen mm-hmm. uh so yeah our, our listeners will remember that deborah wants him in kind of nobody else does we'll see what happens i
4: just knowing it's wcw no matter how that match ends like that is not gonna be over at super <laughs> brawl they're just gonna keep like going at each other sure. regardless
3: well, yeah, because eventually Flair is going to come back, and then they're going to have to figure something out. Well, that's five of us. We've never had five before. Mongo limps out of the ring. Uh, Tony and Larry hype Super Superball from the announce desk, analyzing Piper's mental state some more. That takes us to a video package on Piper that focuses on his attempt to retire uh, and his promise to his son that he was done fighting. Uh, and then, of course, Ho- Hollywood Hogan's dastardly treatment of Piper in front of uh, young Colton's presence. Uh, as WCW video packages go, I thought it was actually pretty well put together, especially for, like, this era when they're not doing a ton of them.
4: Yeah, I thought the the video itself was well put together, but there was, like, this weird, like, kind of, like, wholesome piano music that's playing the whole time. <laughs>
3: Here's the thing. Like, it because it all starts with, like, his retirement speech and Colton and this and that, and you expect that, like, when Hogan shows up in the package that there's going to be like a drop and then like ominous music will play. <laughs> dun, dun,
4: dun. But it doesn't happen. And there's <laughs> right. just still
3: like happy, soothing piano music the whole way through. And it yeah. is very odd. I agree.
4: Yeah. But like the, as far as like the video that they put together, it's really, really good. Yeah. After that, Tony promotes that WCW
3: will be coming to the Target Center here in beautiful Minneapolis in March. Uh, You guys probably may have seen on the suite level uh, for years, there was a picture of Piper. At the Nitro. I think you guys were there as well, if I'm not I'm mistaken. I'm pretty sure right? we
5: were at this Nitro,
4: yeah. I, don't. I, I trust your memory. Yeah, more I'm pretty mine. sure we were. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> we like it. when
3: we w- went, uh, you know, we've gone to a couple paper wrestling pay per views in the suite level, and I mm-hmm. don't remember if it's there now because when we went to AEW, I don't remember seeing it. Uh, but when we went to um, Elimination Chamber back yeah. in like 2013, mm-hmm. I remember it definitely being there.
4: But they they also said that when the tickets went on sale that uh, Ric Flair was going to be there to sign autographs. Oh, cool! And that's like ah, oh, if I if I would have known back in the day, yeah, back in '97 when it was okay, like <laughs> Ric Flair, <laughs> not to
3: feel yeah, you didn't have to feel weird about giving him fifty bucks for his <laughs> autograph, <laughs> right? Rent. Uh, Yeah, because they also mentioned there's going to be a Nitro, I think, the next week in Duluth, Minnesota, about three hours north, two and a half, three hours. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Medusa will be on hand when tickets go on sale there. She is a a Minnesota native. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, she might have just been, like, hanging out in Duluth anyway. I don't know. (laughs) She's just there anyway.
5: I was going to say, I don't remember asking Mom and Dad to go up to Duluth for that uh,
3: (laughs) ticket (laughs) signing. Oh, right.
4: (laughs) just want to meet her, okay?
3: (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. She's a good wrestler. (laughs) WCW cruiserweight champion Dean Malenko makes his way to the ring. Uh, He is, of course, still missing his belt, which is in the hands of the NWO6. Dean Malenko is the number one. Uh
1: Uh-oh, and he's got something
6: to say. I want to leave you with a little message. I know and you know that about ten minutes up the road from this arena is where my father took you under his wing and for two years prepared you for a career in professional wrestling. Well, Six, in six days at Super Bowl, you're going to continue your lessons. But this lesson is going to be from Dean Malenko. And that's a lesson you don't mess with other people's property.
3: Malenko addresses Six, mentioning that his father trained Six just a few hours from where they are tonight. He promises that Six's education will continue at Super Bowl, where he'll learn not to mess with other people's property. Uh, it's really bad. Mm-hmm. It's a bad... Like, I know Dean promos are never meant to be good, or or never thought to be good, but yeah. like, I realize that it's not just that he's, like, um, wooden or unbelievable, which are always things with him. Yeah. It's that he seems extremely casual. Like, none of this seems to matter to him in the slightest. It's not, mm-hmm. like, it's not the Iceman character or whatever. It's just, like, a lack of any kind of fire in what he's saying at yeah. all, which and- I guess is the quality an Iceman would have, but right. I, I guess I'm doing a tough time of uh, enunciating what I mean, but it just, it's, it really is a bad promo.
4: And it's, and when he says not like you'll learn the lesson, not to mess with other people's property. It's like, you should say it's your property. Sure. That yeah. You should be yeah. messing with That's specifically what you're teaching. Not to like, don't steal things from yeah. people. Right. Or like <laughs> right. Yeah.
5: A championship is one, not taken something like that. Yeah. It, is, it,
4: it, it is like, he gets the general idea of what the promo should be about but someone with more promo skills would have been like oh i know how to fine tune this i agree
3: you're right that is a small change that would have made it better if he said i'll teach you not to mess with my property like yeah. that sounds a lot better it sounds more personal more right. angry yeah. not,
4: the, not this like this general like stealing's bad like <laughs> right. i'm going to teach you that i'm going to teach you the fifth commandment or <laughs> whatever yeah. i don't know which
3: commandment it is but
4: but it, like um with ne it's like his like reputation as a wrestler was never affected by like these bad promos. Right. And, and most of the time WCW is just like, if we can get by without him saying anything, we're just not going to have him say anything. But I think this was kind of like they wanted you to remind you of six for Mm -hmm. when he eventually comes out, that sort of thing.
3: Apparently the fifth commandment is honor thy father and thy mother. So what Dean should have said is I'll teach you to honor my father. (laughs) Right. (laughs) My property. (laughs) Uh, Dean's opponent is in the ring. Uh, His name is Robbie Brookside, real name Robert Brooks, and he is an English wrestler brought in to do a series of syndicated TV tapings uh, and this one Nitro match. So he appears on, like, Worldwide Pro for, like, a few weeks because they tape those in batches. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this is the only, like, live one because it's all over, like, a few days before Nitro and a few days after where they kind of tape those. Uh, He is friends with William Regal, who recommended him uh, Steven Regal, whatever we want to call him. Yeah. Uh, and also recommended Doc Dean, who we'll see later on. In fact, those guys are a tag team normally. They, they frequently team together as the Golden Boys. Regal has also been a member of the Golden Boys tag team at times. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, he really just works this block of tapings and a couple more pro episodes, but mainly he stays in Europe and Japan. Uh, he actually works the Super J Cup this year in 90, 1997 in March. Uh, where he picks up a win over Chris Jericho in the mm. tournament. He has a few WWE appearances later in his career. He he jobs in a few programs uh, and was an instructor at the Performance Center as seen on, I think the show's name was Breaking Ground? Proving Ground? That that like series in the Performance Center. Followed oh. like uh, Tyler... Breeze? Yes. God, I couldn't... <laughs> 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 that one that... It was like him and Nia Jax. And I think it was like when... Um... <laughs> I haven't watched WWE in so long. Um, <laughs> Hulk Hogan? No, the the very good Japanese wrestler woman who. Yokozuna. No, a oh, woman.
5: Sorry. Y- Asuka? <laughs> yes, Asuka. Like one of the
3: episodes is her. I remember she's in one. She's like just come over to America. Uh, anyway, the point is he's a trainer. You can see him. Uh, I I think he's still working there, uh, but who knows? Now that Regal's gone and they've had so much turnover there, I guess I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, but his daughter Zia Brookside is currently signed to wwe and as dave pointed out when we were talking about this before recording uh, she has some great opinions on vaccines if you want to check out her social <laughs> great media real
4: factual things about yes, the vaccine. yes yes uh,
3: we highly recommend writing down what she thinks and following it to the t
4: one of them was along the lines of like vaccinated people if they get it within contact of non-vaccinated that they would get like their <laughs> the vaccine sickness to oh, them like vaccine shedding. Yeah, yeah that yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, Very you cool. know, if you're vaccinated, you're endangering non-vaccinated people. And oh, that gosh. sort of it's it's like ridiculous. Yeah. I was also just kind of looking at um Robbie Brookside's uh the low tour you mentioned as as far as him being a jobber, and a lot of the time he was teaming with Doc Dean to yeah. job to like high voltage. <laughs> yes. So you know where he is on the on the yeah, uh, he's around so that
3: the. So, like the contracted jobbers can get some wins so that when they lose it
4: means a little something <laughs> right <laughs> these are the wins that tony Schiavone always talks about like so and so is on a great <laughs> yeah. streak. yeah yes yes
3: <laughs> brookside and malenko chain wrestle for a couple minutes slowly deflating the crowd um <laughs> like it's it's good i'm not what they were doing was fine but there it is noticeable that the crowd has been hot all show and just Go is pretty silent just, for a while. This match
4: starts and balloons. It's just like,
5: <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, um, this Brookside guy reminds me a lot of Matt Riddle. Like, he yes, looks and yes. moves just like him.
4: I to can me. see that. Yeah. I, I just, uh, with the Zaya Brookside, I just think it's interesting all the time when it's like, uh, when you have kayfabe, uh, fake last names and then like the oh pers- sure like the daughter's like takes on the same even though it's also not her name too. right right <laughs> but she's making sure it's like oh remember my dad was robbie brookside <laughs> it's also
3: but it's even stranger when they acknowledge or at least kind of trade in on real relationships and don't take the same fake last name like braun breaker yeah oh sure Or curtis axel where yeah. they're like yes this is mr perfect son he just has a completely different name for some reason yeah where it's like I think Joe Henning is something you could easily uh, market. Right. <laughs> Dean gets a couple clotheslines and Brookside gets a suplex and a drop kick before a roll up for two. Brookside botches a pin reversal. Uh, I don't know what to call it, but you're like standing, holding the guy's legs. And then you flip over him, continuing to hold the legs. Uh, so oh. it's kind of yeah, makes it's, a pin.
5: it's that back and forth sequence a lot of matches have that yeah. kind of looks like a, the end of a sunset flip and the guy rolls through it and all that stuff.
3: Yeah, he really screws it up. Uh, it looks awful. Then Dean gets a brain buster and tries to put on the cloverleaf. Uh, but Brookside has apparently never studied the finisher of the guy he's facing because <laughs> right. he just does not understand that he's supposed to roll over. So Dean has to shoot roll him over while holding his ankles and then try to get the cloverleaf on. It looks awful awful Mm -hmm. um it really like who knows what could have been but it it certainly looks like this is why robbie brookside is never brought back to work like another weekend of tv for wcw
4: or at least not he has to be on saturday night where we can edit it (laughs) right it
3: it looks bad malenko as much as you can ever see an emotion on his face looks kind of disgusted after the match
5: he's more upset about that than losing his (laughs) cruiserweight title i think
3: (laughs) Yeah, so the first two and a half minutes were fine, but the last thirty seconds of this three-minute match were just <laughs> get, were really bad. <laughs> so that's not that's not very good. And and uh, right. you were Dave, you were pointing out because I think you looked into him a little that he's got a really high rating on Cage Match. Uh, yeah. So like he's presumably a great wrestler. It was just an off night. So I do want to mention that we don't want to just yeah I if mean no one's seen him or not familiar with him. He's not terrible. He just shitty night that's yeah
4: all. i mean a lot of his success in europe was more like um like 15 years later yeah um so he he could have just been also like more of a late bloomer as far as like being like really well well-rounded but yeah pretty much everywhere he wrestled in in europe and in england like he became like world champion so
3: and if steven regal thinks you're a good wrestler like yeah you're a yeah. good wrestler doesn't matter what i say about your one match that i saw like right. you're a good wrestler
5: yeah do you know what Dean Malenko's rating on cage matches? Is it higher than eight point five?
3: Sixty nine.
5: <laughs> just sixty nine out of
3: ten. Sixty nine <laughs> out of ten. It's sixty nine slash ten slash nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's
4: at eight point six six. So he's a little so, bit yeah, better. So than as Robbie this match Buck's reflects, <laughs> as this
3: match reflects, he's a better wrestler. There you go. All right. After the match, Six walks out to the top of the ramp with a microphone in hand.
1: what you call yourself now, ain't it, Dean? I got a few things I want to straighten out with you right now. I've listened to you for the last couple of weeks, Mr. Bland, man. Now it's time you listen to me. You think I don't have any respect or gratitude because you and your old man trained me? Well, pal, your old man's dead. And that respect and gratitude died with him because I never liked you anyhow.
0: Oh, that's pretty heavy. See,
1: again, boy, these guys are pushing these personal buttons. if I got to come down ringside and steal this belt just to get a shot, then that's what I'll do, because you've been ducking me ever since you knew I was coming in here. So as far as that respect and that gratitude for you, I got it for you right here. And there he
3: goes. Six calls Dean Mr. Bland man and says that any respect or gratitude he felt for the Malenko's died when Dean's dad did. Yeah <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. Uh, Boris Malenko died in September of 1994, so it's you know, it's not that long ago. recent. Yeah. Six says that he never liked Dean and if he has to steal a belt to get a shot, then that's what he's gonna do. Malenko is hurt enough and approaches the ramp and Six bails. Uh, we then had to break
4: with a little preview shot of Alcatraz Island. Um, I did like the point where where Six was like he basically said like I respected your dad, yeah, not you, and your dad is dead now. So when it comes to Malenko's, I hate you. Yeah, it was but.
3: I. Yeah, I think Six's promo is fine. I mean, mm. he's kind of got this screechy thing to his, and there's nothing he can do. That's just his voice. Yeah. Um, but I think that's also his character. He's a little twerp. You're supposed to hate and he has a bunch of big friends so you can't fuck with him yeah Mm -hmm. that's like why six works so yeah the annoying came to his voice is like that's a feature not a bug
4: it's it's like um you can't really have seth rollins be a face too much because he just has that voice where you just you want to hate hearing him talk pretty much but no i think i mean just for like the uh, the match itself is just kind of like dressing on this on the feud between him and six and i feel like I got enough for that buildup where I'm like, oh, I, and plus their, their wrestling styles are so different. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how that match plays out.
3: Tony tries to run down the tag team situation involving uh, the Steiners <laughs> in that match, but he is quickly interrupted by Hall Nash and six Hall has a mic and accuses Larry and Tony of gossiping. He says there was indeed an automobile accident involving themselves and those two morons, the Einsteiners. Einsteiners. (laughs) But that it wasn't their fault. Nash compares Tony and Larry to the Warren Commission, a panel headed by former United States Supreme Court Chief Justice Earl Warren that was convened in 1963 to investigate the assassination of President John F. Kennedy Jr., uh, like a month
4: earlier. It was it was pretty quick they established that. But. His his reference is a lot more recent than Zabisco's, <laughs> <That's laughs> to true. be fair. Yes.
5: And the Warren Commission did find evidence of a conspiracy, by the way. Mm. So maybe we'll unpack that in a future episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs>
3: it's, maybe dropping like seeds now. Yeah. <laughs>
4: um, I also noticed that, that Kevin Nash meant to say accusations, but instead said acquisitions. Oh, well, him misplace a, a word like that <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> almost right. never happens. Uh,
3: they then hand over a tape that they claim exonerates them uh, for guilt in that accident. Referencing a famous line by defense attorney Johnny Cochran during the murder trial of former football star O.J. Simpson. Also Nash, very recent. <laughs> Nash says, well, hey, that was like 94. That actually was recent. Yeah, it was <laughs> recent. Nash says, if it don't fit, you must acquit.
5: <laughs> Can I also ask? Do we know where OJ was when Boris Malenko passed? Because oh, that was the same that. summer, I believe. Fair, yeah, it's a fair question.
3: <laughs> you have a video of this? asked Tony and Nash like almost drops out of carriage and goes, "Yeah, it's right there." Because he handed it to Tony already. <laughs> Tony is holding the tape, and he's like, "Yes, you have it." Yeah.
4: Um. But I I feel like in um Tony's defense, as this. Episode goes along, he's so perplexed as to why they would willingly give up this. Uh, oh, we'll get there. Because, yeah. yeah, why
3: they give this over and are like, this proves we're innocent is a baffling decision. <laughs> right. In their defense, if it would have worked, they would have been fucking heroes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. The trio then act like they want to fight Larry, who refuses to back down. Hall tosses off his shirt, and it really seems like him and Larry are going to go, but Larry eventually sits back down uh, to a small Larry chant from mm-hmm. the crowd.
5: He got a big pop when you stood up to he him. Did. He I mean, really I did. think that's part of the mongo theory that yeah. he's kind of
3: over cuz he's on TV
5: all the time, but I always thought his pops and audience reaction was always
4: strange. I was I was like when I was watching this segment, I was like what a sweet gig he has because yeah. he gets he's retired, you know, he's an older guy. He's doing commentary, but they always put him over as like, if you put me back in the ring though, I'm gonna fuck everyone up, right? Take budget. him to Larry
3: Land? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's funny because for a while I was um working my way through the impact uh early pay per views, like when they first TNA oh. first started. Yeah. And they do a storyline where he shows up and kind of does the same thing with um AJ Styles, where he's like, mm. You've got a bunch of talent, but you're a dickhead. And so if you he says like if you can beat me th- pin me three times in 10 minutes uh then you can do whatever you want but if i if you don't then i get to be your manager
4: what yeah <laughs> and uh
3: and yeah aj gets him like twice or whatever and then he can't pin him the third time so larry zabisco is briefly aj styles manager <laughs> it's pro like how, wrestling everyone <laughs> yeah that's
5: like how whoever used to come up second in the presidential elections would be vice president right like, right yeah.
3: <laughs> The NWO leaves, O Canada starts playing, and out walk the amazing French Canadians and Colonel Robert Parker. Tony lectures Larry on behaving like a broadcaster, as we see Megan Barbarian watching the show from the crowd, completely shirtless, as one does. <laughs> yes!
4: <laughs> Which is weird, because they've been in the, the crowd before, right. wearing clothes. Yeah, they usually yeah, like, nitro shirt. t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're like, oh, that doesn't look good for the faces of <laughs> beer. They should just be naked, pretty uh-huh. much. <laughs>
3: Public enemy walk out with a table as Larry. What? I'm going to read exactly what I have. Oh, public enemy walk out with a table as Larry Poutine claims. <laughs> I just <laughs> wrote the word Poutine in the middle mm-hmm. of my sentence. <laughs> I was texting some friends about Poutine a while ago, and I'm wondering if it just went in my head. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Anyway, public Putin is great, enemy... though. Public enemy walk out with a table as Larry claims that Hall must have stopped working out because he has smaller arms than Shivani. Yeah.
4: By the way, um, when Public Enemy come out, there's a shot of a mother and their two her two kids yeah. just like dancing along. Oh, they love it uh, to Public Enemy. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, what a wholesome moment! <laughs>
5: <laughs> and they both wear number 69
3: to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Rocka Rock wears zero, double oh, zeros. Okay. The Canadians do their singing bit, and we see Harlem Heat also watching the show from ringside, along with Sister Sherry.
4: You know, you brought it up before when it comes to the amazing French Canadians and yeah. their singing, where it's like. I think people are ribbing them when they let them keep going. Yeah. Because after O Canada, they don't say words. What happens here is the
3: the camera misses it. They sing for a little bit and Mm -hmm. then public enemy must stop paying attention and they Pearl Harbor public enemy. But we don't, we just, the camera's not on them. I think it's on the announcers. So it just cuts and they're like in the middle of a brawl. But Larry or somebody briefly mentions that that's what happens. So they were doing the singing until the other team stopped paying attention, and they used that as the guise to attack them. But oh, you're right. That okay. does often happen where they're just left high and dry. Yeah. And it's like they don't even know all the words. Oh, and eventually in this they case, give
5: up. I think they either intentionally started the music late or something because they were singing way off. Uh, from, and I th- I'm sure that was all intentional for Heat was what I thought. Maybe, maybe I'm giving if, them too much credit. I
3: think if you're in those arenas, though, sometimes like – they don't have monitors like a band does where they can hear themselves. Like they mm-hmm. might right. just not be able to hear the audio in the ring. That's yeah. very Yeah, possible. although
5: I know WWF around the Attitude Era time started keeping uh speakers in the ring so oh, guys be able to yeah. hear. Yeah.
3: Uh well here to call all the action is the president of the Sister Sherry fan club, John Amantorp. Oh. oh
5: baby. I kinda like how that turned out. Um <laughs> I'm actually a pretty big fan of hers. She's great. Yeah. Well, you um, should be a fan, you're a president.
3: You'd <laughs> be weird if you weren't. <laughs> that's true. What is it for the money? <laughs> <laughs> it's a high-paying gig. Um,
5: uh, but yeah, Public Enemy also gets a really good reaction um, from the crowd here. I think that's another case where it helps that they're in front of like a small audience. But everyone you can see on camera is waving their arms, whether they care about them during the match or not. At least the entrance is over.
3: Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, can I? I don't mean to interrupt, but this this just made me think of something that I, that I was just thinking of this morning. I saw somebody... There's, like, one of those accounts that's, like, cringe wrestling takes, and it just posts cringy oh, sure. things mm-hmm. that, Yeah, And I get a laugh out of most of them. But I saw one today that was complaining about how Rampage is an, only a, an hour long, uh, and so they have a... And this person was saying they should have less promos because they're cutting out the entrances. And this <laughs> person said the entrances are, like, half the entertainment. And this was posted as, like, what a cringy, stupid opinion. Yeah. And I was like, honestly half might be overstating it, but it might yeah. be just hyperbole for effect. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're just exaggerating. But yes, entrances are a huge part of the entertainment for wrestling. Yeah. Like, a guy's song plays. He comes out, you're like, oh, that guy, they do pyro. They do the same poses every time. It, like, builds little grooves in your brain, mm-hmm. so then your brain enjoys seeing it again. You want to see Batista come out, do his... Yeah. Like, it's fun! Yeah. If you think entrances, like, aren't a huge part of why wrestling works, like, I think you're just kind of missing it.
5: Well, and this one too, like Public Enemy has a really recognizable theme song. Yeah, you know, so that's a, just an
4: easy way to get the crowd going yeah. right away. One of my favorite things to go back and watch on YouTube is like like the greatest like reactions to people come, like returning sure. or debuting and things like that. And that's that's all. It's a hundred percent entrances, and the clips end before they're like even in the ring, <laughs> right. pretty much.
3: So yeah, that was one of those instances where I saw a supposed cringe take and thought yeah. like, I agree with that. That is a that's actually a quality take, and you're cringe for posting it. Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. So the French Canadians, I thought it was pretty good heat. Um, and it, it, this actually kind of reminds me of like uh, a RAW that comes up later this year where does the Patriot attack Bret Hart during O Can- or Hunter Hearst Helmsley? Someone attacks Bret Hart during O Canada. And they just continue playing the song for like two or three minutes during the match. Uh, but I, here, I know.
4: I mean, I know Brett attacks a Patriot at some point. Yeah, it's something. It's
5: something like that. Yeah. But here, it's the guys singing the anthem, use it as a way to Pearl Harbor the opponents. I think. I think that's just good heat. Mm. Um, let me see. Yeah, Public Enemy uh, retakes control pretty early. They try that super babyface spot where they go in the opposite corners and whip the heels together, but. The heels do like a do si do move and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh Olet hits a clothesline and uh Jacques Rougeau hits a cool looking drop kick. Um that actually gets a pretty good reaction from the crowd too. Um and and I would just say, just kind of anecdotally here, I think the Amazing French Canadians do the most double team moves of anybody I've seen sure. on, in WCW at this time. Absolutely. Yeah, doesn't mean they're the best at it, but mm. I, I'm a sucker for good double team moves um johnny grunge is thrown to the outside where colonel robert parker is putting the boots to him um we're getting big usa chances uh the french canadians are continuing to get heat on johnny grunge uh get more talk about the vhs tape of the Stider brothers crash it's a vhsc i think <laughs> Yeah,
3: tony goes into great detail about like yeah. you need a converter and you know yeah. we always laugh because they get the footage and then they don't show it at least this time for what it's worth, he gave like an actual explanation. Like, yeah, we have the tape, but we got to set up like a special thing. And yeah, right. okay, fine, I'll I'll take it.
5: Yeah, um, more cool looking double teams. Uh, we get like a running clothesline and a standing leg sweep combo from the French Canadians. I thought looked cool. Um, Larry adds in the of his car accident. Exactly what the doctor did not order. No. Oh, and he's right. Um, just yeah, like d- we did not order Super Brawl this year. <laughs> What the well, doctor, my doctor ordered...
3: did prescribe me no car accidents. <laughs> <laughs> After my, doctor, my last physical, my
4: doctor prescribed me a car accident, oh, oh,
3: man. <laughs> what well, you can use is st- a good <laughs> bleeding? <laughs> That's and these so are so much the work. that we're l- supposed to listen to about these vaccines <laughs> we're putting in our body. Am I right? Yeah, Who's the barber here? <laughs> Podcast just ends here. <laughs> right. it goes to static for some reason. <laughs>
4: you still upload it. <laughs>
3: I like during the match, uh, Shivani's worried that Larry's going to get in the fight with the NWO backstage. So he keeps being like, once hour one is done, go back to your hotel room. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. Go to a restaurant. Yeah. Just get out of here. And, uh, and Larry just goes, I'm going to the casino. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's where Hall and are. <laughs> 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 Um,
5: French Canadians keep it up. They do like a double kind of flapjack onto the top rope that looked pretty cool. Um, Johnny Grunge finally gets a hope spot by, um, throwing Ouellette into Jacques Rougeau, but, uh, Ouellette hits like a back elbow as he's going down. I thought also looked cool. Robert Parker distracts the ref. So we missed the hot tag to Rocco Rock. The French Canadians go for their old, like, Quebecer finisher. I don't know what that's called here, but it's a cool looking move. Like, kind of flips Ouellette from the top rope.
3: It was called like the Quebecer crash before, right? Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know that it ever gets a new name.
5: Yeah. Um, they missed that Rocco uh, Rock. Crash? I don't. Re- I don't remember because uh, I always found the Quebecers boring. But I kind of find the French Canadian. I don't know. Maybe it's just because they're, they're a good they're low-tier different. tag yeah. team. Yeah. yeah, for what they are, they're good. Um, get a hot tag from Rocco Rock, Rock uh, coming in cleaning house. Uh, Johnny Grunge throws uh, Ouellette into the steps on the outside, and the crowd uh, gets a pretty good reaction there. And they're actually all up on their feet watching the brawl on the outside as uh, we get another shot of the face's of fear in the crowd. we got a table set up on the outside. we got Olet on it, who briefly battles his way off. But then Jacques, I think, hits him with Colonel Robert Parker's belt or uh, stick or something like that. And uh, Rocco then hits the somersault through the table, rolls him in the ring, and makes the pin. So I thought it was pretty good spotlight for Public Enemy, and I think the French-Canadians really kind of won me over here. I thought they were the better better part of the match. Um, but it's it's good booking again for a team going into, like, a number one contenders match. Sure. At a pay-per-view, just getting a pretty decisive win.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is exactly the match that you're going to get out of the... If you put these guys ten times, like, it's going to be this every single time. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. It's one of the longer matches on the show because almost every match tonight is, like, six minutes or under. Uh, so I maybe would have found other ways to use that time with people I care about a little more. Yeah. But for what it was, it was fine.
5: I will also say this is probably the best public enemy match I've seen sure. so far. I don't, I don't think I've seen like any of their ECW matches, but this is much better than like the plunder matches against the Nasty Boys and Harlem Heat and oh, stuff right. like that. Well, those are pretty fun.
4: I like uh, the like at um, Bash of the Beach when they fought on the beach set. That had good parts for sure. Yeah. yeah,
5: yeah, that's cool.
3: From there, it's to the entrance ramp where Mean Gene Okerlund is with an incredibly dressed Diamond Dallas Page. Page has on white jeans, a studded leather belt, a black fanny pack, and a zebra print T-shirt with a big orange splotch down the chest and belly, uh, <laughs> tucked in, of course. <laughs> He's also got a black unzipped windbreaker over it and a black ball cap with a logo on it. I couldn't quite make out. Uh, this outfit is a lot. It is very 1997. There's a, there's that a lot line. to
4: take in with yeah. that. Yes.
7: All right. I thank you very much, Tony Giovanni. We are really cranking it up on this particular Monday night. On Nitro, Diamond Dallas Page. I don't know if uh, if I've been under a, a rock or behind a log somewhere, but earlier on, I happened to see, from the NWO, Big Bubba Rogers get Pearl Harbored, and you wouldn't have any idea who might have done this dastardly deed.
8: Bu- Bubba?
7: You, you saw what happened to him. He got knocked. I, I just walked in the door 10 minutes ago. Well, are you trying to convince me Paige, for a second Wait, that tell, you tell, didn't have tell, tell me what happened big bubba rogers somebody nailed him from behind and took him down as a matter of fact i understand he was hauled away in an ambulance this man is out of action big bubba no but are you, are you looking at me what are you are you denying you had no involvement in this uh, particular man, incident man I. Was-
9: In wrestling, the bottom
10: line is Gene. You know it's very competitive, but I would never want to ever see anything serious happen to a a competitor. I would, I would, I would never. Now, what are you talking about?
7: Are you you putting putting me? Are you putting? Is this a a different Diamond Dallas Page that I've seen? I see a lot of sincerity here, but are you certain? Are you trying to pull? so, So
9: you're trying to you're trying to pin this on me? Is that what you're saying?
7: No, but if you did it, you confess up. I don't think anybody would blame you for taking a shot at one of the members of the NWO. I certainly wouldn't.
10: I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. All I right. strictly I strictly came here to see Pee Wee Herman and Nick Patrick.
7: Okay, uh, what about San Francisco this Sunday night? Any thoughts on that?
10: You're just telling me Bubba's hurt, so I don't know about anything. For, you know, when it comes to thoughts about that, I'm, I'm worried about Bubba.
7: Well, I'm going to talk to Tony Shavani and Larry Zabisco, and hopefully I can get that. You had nothing to do with it? I had nothing to do with it, man. A very different Diamond Dallas Page on this particular Monday night. Stay tuned. We're live from Tampa. This is Nitro.
3: Mean Gene asked Page who Pearl Harbored uh, his words. That must be why it's on my mind and I keep saying it tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he asked who Pearl Harbored Bubba earlier. Page says that he just walked in 10 minutes ago, and he has no idea what happened. Paige says that he would never wish for something serious to happen to, fe- to a fellow competitor. Gene says that he should just confess if he did have something to do with it, since <laughs> everyone would honestly think it's pretty cool.
4: <laughs> but uh, A kayfabe thing I've always liked is that wrestlers show up during the show. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, not that like everyone's there before the show starts because that's like, a proper attendance or right. anything like that. Right, because it's
3: wrestling and like matches are made on the fly. You never know when you're going to be needed. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. You can just show up an hour in. If you're you're like
4: Diamond Page, you're like, I really don't want them to pick me out for a match. I'll just show up late. (laughs) They won't
3: see me, like, sneak in. Page reiterates that he has no idea what happened, and he came tonight to see Pee Wee Herman versus Nick Patrick. DDP is unsure if his match against Bubba is still on for this Sunday or not, and he wanders towards the back as Gene throws it to commercial.
4: (laughs) Basically, they're just making sure DDP appears. Right. And they they just didn't want to
3: have him with a match, so... This Saturday night, you can see Jeff Jarrett versus Conan, Rey Mysterio versus Volano 4, and Ice Train versus Super Klo. Now, I- Ice Train versus Super Klow is something I do want to see. I will try to go out of my way to find that.
4: <laughs> That's on Saturday night? Yes.
3: Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Out next is a guy that we haven't seen for a while, Prince Ayakia. Mm. Uh, he's done a couple of jobs on Nitro, most notably to Kevin Sullivan. Uh, just to kind of refresh people who it's been a long time since we talked about him uh, but th- Kevin Sullivan, who is the main WCW booker, uh, is a big fan of this kid for whatever reason. When they brought him in as a job, or I don't know, he probably just said, sir, and shook his hand the right way or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so he named this kid uh, after Sullivan's idol, King Curtis Ayakia. That's why he's Prince Ikea. So even though he's just been kind of an anonymous job guy, uh, he did get a name that shows that like Sullivan really likes him. Uh, maybe even has some big things planned for him. Who knows? Unlike his past appearances, he gets a full entrance, baby-facing his way down to the ring, where he does some kind of, like, island dancing, I guess. It's not like a full kata or anything, but he just does some little dancing we haven't seen before. He is getting a shot at Lord Stephen Regal's television title, and out comes his lordship, who is stopped mid-entrance by Mean Jean.
7: I wanted to catch you here, if I could, Lord Stephen Regal, in light of the fact that you're going to be going to the ring for a title defense against this youngster, Prince Ayakia... I know as the rest of the world you're looking to this coming Sunday night and your world television title defense against the brilliant star out of Mexico, Rey Mysterio Jr. Are you going to make an example out of this young man here tonight?
2: I said five months ago when I beat Lex Luger for this world's television championship that I would fight and wrestle anyone in the world, whether it be in their back garden or in any ring, in any arena and I have done just that. This young gentleman's gonna get his chance tonight. Good for him. Now, let's get to Rey Mysterio Jr. After last week's woeful performance, now let's face facts, if he'd have been one of the seven dwarfs, he'd have been bloody dopey, wouldn't he? He should stay at home with the other bloody six and Snow White and do some thinking sunshine because if you get in the ring with me, you won't be five foot four anymore, because I'll stretch you that bloody far, they'll be able to make a handrail for the Great Wall of China with you.
7: I believe he said woeful, Tony. I believe he did. I believe you're Any right. Any further thoughts, Lord Stephen?
2: Any further thoughts?
7: Well, apparently you've got something on the tip of your tongue.
2: When you're in as perfect physical condition as I am, at a nice trim, 18 stone, two pounds, what more thoughts do I need?
7: 18 stones, two pounds, well. Let's get you back to the ring.
3: Gene asks Regal about defending his title this Sunday against Rey at the pay-per-view. Gene wonders if Regal plans to use Ayakia to send a message. Regal says that he's a fighting champion who has defended the title against all comers. He looks right past Ayakia and addresses Mysterio, who he says is a dwarf, specifically Dopey. (laughs) <laughs> oh, <laughs> he claims when he gets his hands on Mysterio, he'll stretch him so far. They'll be able to install Ray as a handrail at the Great Wall of China.
4: That it's goofy, but I liked it. <laughs> That's a long like, stretch. Is, is
5: that racist? I don't know. No. No. no.
3: Okay. no. It's just taking a guy and making him so long that he can cover <laughs> miles and miles of
4: wall. No. I mean, if he was doing that to like a Chinese wrestler. Sure. It would be different. Sure. Um, I just wanted to quickly point out, because I did mention this when we were not Broadcasting, but Kevin Sullivan did wrestle Prince Ikea yeah, um, on Nitro, and that was in June of '96. Yes, and this was uh, during the time when they are hyping up like the first like Sullivan Benoit like Paul's Conor match. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of like, he kind of got like a a squash win where he got to throw him over the guardrail, wrestle outside, and stuff like that. So um, that relationship is like also been seen on screen to that degree.
3: Regal, who has been in a lot of pain with a knee and a neck injury that has got him hooked on various painkillers and alcohol, then describes himself as trim and in
4: peak physical condition.
2: <laughs> <The>
3: first <laughs> he one is that i'm I'm a trim eighteen stone is what he says specifically. yeah, and you could
4: you could tell that that uh, Gene's like, if only I knew what that meant, <laughs> is that a good number or a bad number? <laughs> Um, and also, when it comes to like addiction, one of them is denial. <laughs> so, I'm actually looking better than ever. <laughs>
3: Regal takes his sweet time getting into the ring, uh, walking around, handing the belt to Mark Curtis, uh, taking off his robe, etc. The bell finally rings, and Regal and Ayakia walking around, stretching. Regal then leans out of the ring to yell at the crowd. Was he yelling at you, asked Tony?
4: No, says Larry. <laughs> He was probably looking like the other direction anyway.
3: <laughs> a Regal suck chant makes Regal more angry with the crowd and causes more delays. Finally, they lock up and exchange wrist locks until Regal forces a rope break. Regal does the very funny uh, finger-assisted flex. Always yeah. always gets a pop from me. Mm-hmm. They lock up again, and Iakia sends Regal into the ropes and then levels him with a shoulder block.
5: Regal sells that like he got taken down <laughs> onto hot coals or something. It was awesome. <laughs>
3: Ikea tries to engage in a knuckle lock, but Regal gouges uh, him in the eye and then does some back clobbering. He knees Ayakia and suplexes him before setting him on the top rope for some punches and an awkwardly performed double underhook superplex. Regal soaks up the booze and taunts Mysterio, who has wandered out onto the entrance ramp. You say he soaks
4: up the booze? He soaks up the booze. <laughs> he's a heel. He does. He's like, bring it on. I love this. He soaks this. up the yeah. booze in many ways. Oh, oh oh, 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 God. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus
5: Whoops. Christ. Whoops. <laughs>
3: Regal hits an elbow drop on the prone Curtis, but doesn't cover in Curtis. <laughs> no, he's, he's named after Curtis's last name. <laughs> <laughs> Regal hits an elbow drop on the prone Iakia, but doesn't ah. cover. Instead, sitting on the mat and taunting Ray, he kind of, like, leans back against Iakea's prone body and stretches his arms out. Like, ha-ha, what are you going to do? Yeah. And uh, that gives Iakea the chance to, like, do a crucifix pin, uh, rolls him over, hooking the leg and the arm, uh, gets the one-two-three, and Prince Iakea picks up the shocking win. And is your new television champion uh, a guy that we've seen maybe three times on Nitro, mm-hmm. uh, all getting squashed in short order? Uh, he did nothing really to get off, or, or excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, I was going to say get over or show off, but <laughs> I said get off. <laughs> um, but it was it, you know there was. There was like no build to this at all. There was really just, okay, we're going to do this. So mm-hmm. Regal got the promo to get the crowd mad. He did all the delaying stuff to get the crowd extra mad. Mm-hmm. Um, they made sure to give Ikea a full entrance to try to show he's like a likable baby face. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like all of that is just like, please like this win. Uh, and actually, you know, in its defense, the crowd gives a huge pop that's clearly more anti-Regal than it is happy for ikea right um but they really try to sell it they get a bunch of like random mid-tier baby faces out from the <laughs> back to come celebrate with him like public enemy for example yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah they get public enemy teddy long eddie guerrero is definitely the biggest name who kind of comes out to give him the rub
4: i like i don't know if there was a story going on there but i like that immediately teddy long was there like oh i can i right. can benefit from right. like being a manager for this guy sort didn't of he
5: manage him already
4: because I know no, he was
5: managing no. like Ice Train and like he managed Jim Powers. I, th- no, I was sure he managed Prince
3: IKEA too. He may w- in the future, but oh. he has not so far. No spoilers. Uh, I don't know if he does. Yeah. I honestly don't. But he is, he definitely <laughs> has not that we've seen. Uh, we see some replays before going to break. Uh, so to kind of g- get behind the scenes, I don't really have a good reason as to why this happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meltzer's impression when it happens is that. Um, I, he, it's, I, I don't really even... Even with that, there's no... He just says that I, is going to lose it to Ray at the pay-per-view mm-hmm. because they want all the mid-tier belts on the, in the hands of really hot, good wrestlers so they, they can always have good undercard title matches. Uh, but spoiler alert, that's not what happens at Super Brawl. IKEA retains. Yeah. So did the plans change? Was Meltzer just wrong? Um, on the one hand, Regal has a neck injury and he's going to be out for a while. He goes to Japan um and tries to wrestle kind of makes it worse comes back takes some time off um but like you could have just done surprise we're doing your match against ray tonight and ray gets the shocking win like just because he's injured there's no reason so i i all that i can figure is they decide that they're going to take the belt off him and maybe for whatever reason they they thought this would be a a way to get ikea up and then maybe it gets a good pop so they decide to keep it on him the next night i really don't know
4: yeah, I, I did read as far as like a report from the time is that there might have been a thought that with his matches against Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio is so much smaller looking than Steven Regal that it wasn't believable that he mm-hmm. could beat him. And maybe that having someone like Ikea who's kind of like in between them size wise. Sure. Um, I mean, a lot of it, it, it makes more sense. Um, as far as reasoning, if he turned around and lost it to Mysterio. Mm -hmm. But like you said, maybe they were just like, oh, we might have hit on something here with Ikea. Well, let's have him hold on to the belt a little bit longer sort of thing.
3: And to go with that, there's also a theory, or at least something that a lot of people just said, uh, whether there's any truth to it or not, that it's WCW attempting to copy the WWF because they had... Uh, it wasn't as shocking. He had some build up, but there mm-hmm. was there was Rocky Maivia, who was presented very similarly yeah. to Prince Ayakia, uh, so there is some thought that like this is just their impression, their they're ripping off
4: of the yeah. Rocky Maivia and character. Then, and Rocky Maivia just won the Intercontinental title right. on Thursday. Yes, and then my that, in between those two like dates, maybe they're like, hey, why don't we try doing something similar? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I read somewhere where um, they thought that they were trying to like make fun. Of Rocky Maivia by doing this, but like I didn't see that By
5: devaluing their own title. <laughs> right, that would no. only that would that make a little make more t-
3: sense if they like ran down Ikea, but they don't. Yeah. They're not, you know what I mean? They mm-hmm. they act like this this youngster has got the moment of his life. Not like yeah. can you believe this fluke thing where this dumb idiot is the champion? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
4: right. So again, like. The the reasoning behind this would make more sense if Rey Mysterio just turned around and won it. Yes. But then once uh, Ikea wins at Super Bowl, now we're like, what on (laughs) earth? What are they doing? Yeah. What's the point of this? So I'm I'm really
3: curious how Ikea's reign is going to turn out. Yeah. Is that when you do that kind of hotshot thing with something like this, Mm -hmm. normally I'd say, like most of the time, it fizzles out. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. so I'm curious to see if this one's more given that the Booker is a big fan of his. Yes, like maybe they can make something out of it, Mm -hmm.
5: or maybe they just felt like it's been too long since they had like some shocking WWF Mm -hmm. guy come over or whatever, Mm -hmm. and Nitro just needs a surprise almost every episode. That's what I figured this was. Yeah, I
4: mean i I still like kind of remember from the time watching this. Uh, live, I remember it being like one of the most shocking things sure, yeah, yeah. that they, they pulled off on. Especially since like when we're watching it back, and I know it's again like the announcers don't know the results, but mm-hmm. like I thought they did a really good job of not like really like foreshadowing mm-hmm. the win. Like it's it nat it generally seemed like they're trying to set up the match between Steven Regal and Rey Mysterio, and then like just plans change at the last second, sort right. of Thing. So I thought they I, it they did a good job as far as like making it shocking but like where we go from here is going to be the interesting thing we then go to break and when we return it's hour number two so we
3: get pyro mike Tenay, and bobby the brain heenan and zabisco somewhere <laughs> <laughs> he's in the casino already. <laughs> all right tanae is impressed by ayakia and heenan thinks that everyone in the nwo needs to watch their back or they're going to wind up like bubba did oh Nick Patrick then comes out in a sleeveless ref shirt and some sunglasses. He says he's going to make Randy Anderson's wife and kids cry and show Randy how to fight. Randy Anderson is out next wearing his just normal ref outfit. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that was funny. Uh, He gets some pyro, which was a very good touch. And he no sells it, which is the most badass way to Uh get pyro (laughs) is to just act like it's
4: not even happening. I I thought it was weird because like he's trying to get his ref job back, but he has a ref uniform on now. (laughs) Jimmy Jett
3: is refing, so he's wearing a long-sleeve white shirt, I guess, to distinguish him from Randy Anderson. Just
4: to make it less- co- I I when they did that, I'm like, okay. Because he didn't want just like three referees yeah. in the ring. <laughs> everyone just counting everyone.
3: Before the match, Jet goes to check out both competitors and surreptitiously hands Anderson a set of uh, knuckles I guess. We're call- They're clearly not brass. They're white mm. plastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's
4: like WSW's always done like the, it's like a, a white wrap of sorts, yeah. but we, it's understood to be like brass knuckles.
3: Yeah, it has the effect of brass knuckles. There's like a tube that kind of goes in the fist, and I don't know if the idea is that that has a bunch of weight, so you're at, it's just adding more weight mm-hmm. to the punch. But the part that wraps around the fingers is like a thin strip of plastic.
4: Yeah. I mean, it looks like they're like, we don't really want to spend money on brass knuckles. Right. Let's just use a bunch of athletic tape. <laughs>
3: The bell rings and Anderson and Patrick square off. Patrick has his dukes up while Anderson seems hesitant and nervous. But when Patrick comically winds up for a haymaker, Anderson nails him with a single punch that knocks him out thanks to the foreign object. Anderson has his hand raised and celebrates in the ring. Because he pinned him. Oh yes, he been, yeah. yes, thank you. Right. <laughs> yeah, I skipped over the important part. He also important counts part. along with Jimmy Jet for yeah. the three, which I thought was a funny touch because he's a referee. Actually, yeah. That's what he does. That was
4: pretty cool. Um, I like the. I, I thought that um, that Pee Wee did a really good job of like he has a loaded hand. Yeah, he's right. He's waiting for his moment to hit it, but also trying to make sure Nick Patrick doesn't see it. So he mm-hmm. kind of has it. To his side. I thought like the, the visually it, it worked really well. Sure. Yeah, I mean it's definitely not like a match, it's just
3: an angle. Yeah. Um it came across fine, they're celebrating. Uh but the jovial atmosphere soon dissipates as Eric Bischoff stalks down to the aisle as booze rain from the crowd. He grabs a mic and accosts Anderson and jet What
9: do you think you're doing? You knocked him out. What is this? What is that? You know better than that. You used to be a referee. Hey, he won the match. You used to be a referee. Used to be is the one. You won nothing. And you I saw it. Let me let me tell you what you won. No. You just won a permanent vacation and you are fired. fired
0: fired wow
1: spell it
9: f-i-r-e-d
11: you are
0: fired this is sick he is, leave the building He's He's reneging from now. a verbal agreement now you're fired he can do whatever he wants i guess the man's power hungry that is not fair
3: eric asks anderson what he thinks he's doing and Wee says he just knocked patrick out Bischoff grabs the knucks and says Anderson knows better as a former official. He tells Anderson that all he won is a permanent vacation. ho. ho. He then fires Jet for good measure and demands that they leave the building. Tony's disgusted. Bischoff raises the unconscious Patrick's hand... Uh, and then does some pretty f- actually funny physical comedy in trying to pick Patrick up and then roll him out of the ring when he's unable to. He yeah. can't pick him up, so he just tries to roll <laughs> yeah, him. Right. It's. I really <laughs> actually was getting a kick out of that. Yeah. That was funny stuff. Um. I thought. I thought Eric was fine here. You know, he's always pretty good on the mic. Uh. There is kind of a funny thing, and since we're not going to cover Super Bowl, I don't know where else to put it. But because of this, they're down. You know, just in a storyline, they're down two refs. You you don't have Jimmy Jett. You mm. don't have Randy Anderson. Uh, And you can only use Nick Patrick in certain circumstances because he's a heel ref. Yeah. Uh, So what's his face? The guy who's a mailman, Scott Dickinson. He has to (laughs) ref like most of the matches on Super (laughs) Brawl. And I think just because he's like working so much and it's a lot to keep track of. There's a there's a luchador six man match that they haven't announced. It just takes place in the pay-per-view. It's actually a really good match, Mm -hmm. Um, but it ends like three minutes early because Dickinson counts a shoot three on a kick out. Whoops. And then he's just like, no, I counted three. That's the end. And so everyone just looks kind of pissed. Uh, because there was like a bunch of high spots that they were going to do at the end of the match that all just got cut. Oh no. And poor Dickinson, I'm sure gets the blame, but like here he's asked to like work six matches at a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Like what's supposed to happen? Yeah. Uh so that's kind of funny that like they're they're forced upon themselves storyline where they're down refs is having actual non-kayfabe complications, <laughs> right? <laughs> We then go to break with a new Hollywood Rules uh, T-shirt ad. I don't recall seeing that before. Mm. Pretty sweet shirt.
5: Oh yeah, I never had that shirt, but it's awesome.
3: Lee Marshall is then in his home state of California at a roving nitro party that's moving along the Pacific Shore. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> I need. <laughs> sure, it is, Lee. I need. <laughs> I need to get back to this because. Um, was I mentioning it on the podcast or not that I was on edibles while I was watching yes. this? You mentioned it, but not on the podcast. Okay. This is the reveal to the audience that yes. you were on edibles. <laughs> so I was on edibles while I was watching this show, and this segment seemed like it went on forever. <laughs> but that could also be that yeah. time and space stretched before you, <laughs> right? It just seemed like Lee Marshall's going on and on about <laughs> these parties and like setting up the uh, the weasel jokes at the end. Yes. Like he w- they were like. Come on, just get to the part where you say weasel a couple times. <laughs> he <laughs> says that they're currently going dock to dock and trying to
3: spot Piper out at Alcatraz Island. Uh, specifically, and not that any of this matters, but he says that the lights are on at Alcatraz. Uh-huh. Uh, which is funny, because when we see la- Alcatraz later, it looks to be about 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Oh, yeah, he's and like, the, bright, lights are on, we, <laughs> the lights
4: are on, but we can't see Roddy. They're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you just see, like, the guy waving his hands. <laughs> There's Piper, I see him! <laughs> <laughs> Lee reminds Brian to
3: wear flowers in his hair when he comes west and tells Mike and Tony to check out Weaselman's Wharf and to order the Weaselrony, the San Francisco <laughs> treat.
5: Can I um, add a comment about that flowers in your hair line? Sure, yes. So I was curious about that because I hadn't heard it. I assumed it was just some kind of, like, gay joke or no, something. No, it's that song. Uh, yeah, uh, Peter, yeah. Peter, Paul,
3: and Mary, I think?
5: Yeah, it's written by... The guy from Peter, Paul, and Mary okay, yeah. Um, yeah, it's called San Francisco Be sure to wear flowers in your hair It's like the first anthem of like the summer of love
11: If you're
1: going to San Francisco
11: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good song. I thought it, was ex- it was a good reference. So, <laughs> Oh, but
5: also he called San Francisco Baghdad by the Bay. Have you ever heard that before? No. That's wild. I've never heard that. That is it's weird. Baghdad yeah. by the Bay. Yeah. Jeez.
3: Uh, Bobby hopes that Tony Bennett throws Marshall off the Golden Gate Bridge. I don't know why specifically Tony Bennett, but I don't know if <laughs> he's from San Francisco. He's going to be there. I, I don't know, but that's what he said. Who knows? Uh, we then go to Roadblock, who is on his way to the
4: ring for a match against Chris Benoit, who is accompanied by a woman. Okay, okay. J- just Baghdad by the Bay Yeah, is a nickname that uh, Herb Kahn used for a book of essays about San Francisco. Okay, he used it because the city had a cosmopolitan cultural diversity that shares with the medieval city of Baghdad. Jeez. Oh, okay. So this
3: was like not... Okay, that is not how you would use Baghdad, is like uh yeah. right <laughs> currently right which i mean that's you know i'm not i'm not dissing on Baghdad. i'm just saying like that reference would be completely lost yeah. to anyone in a 2022 yeah
4: context. this was uh he coined it in the late 1940s okay sure so. hmm.
3: the announcers talk about alcatraz with brain saying he's been there before and it's one of the creepiest places he's been in his whole life he says there's no heat uh and he says it in a tone that's like he's about to list things that make something creepy yeah the one of the creepiest things is there's no heat Mm -hmm. and then he just (laughs) can't think of a second thing (laughs) and all the criminals the ghosts (laughs) Tanae finally bails him out as the camera cuts to uh george steinbrenner this is the first time i think they mention him by name uh Mm -hmm. and bobby says like oh there's my buddy george which is true i think we've talked about on the show before he bobby the brain Heenan, was actually friends with george steinbrenner yeah
4: uh, that, but, hasn't he like he's said on nitro but like having I mean, like box office mm-hmm. but and that and it's like true he's just not making that up on like most of the stuff he yeah Steinbrenner
3: up. would just like give him tickets when he asked and they're like yeah. sweet amazing tickets and yeah <laughs> they're just buddies I think I think Steinbrenner probably was to some degree a wrestling fan at some point and was like just use yeah. that to his, his riches to meet Bobby Heenan and they, yeah Heenan, what I would have done right and if you're a an older man of means. I bet Bobby Heenan's probably the funniest guy you can hang out with mm-hmm. in, like, 1997, you yeah. know? You get all of his references. <laughs> <laughs> Benoit and the much larger Roadblock face each other down and lock up. Benoit dodges a, chi- a kick from Roadblock and lays in some vicious punches and kicks. Block manages to back Benoit into a corner and take over with strikes before a big clothesline in the middle of the ring causes woman to shriek. I... Uh, it's been a while since we've heard that woman scream, and i uh, yeah. it was not missed. I did not need it back <laughs> in my life. Right. Roadblock body slams Benoit and yells at woman, getting slapped for his impertinence. This gets Roadblock to the outside to yell some more, which causes him to miss Benoit approaching, allowing the Canadian Crippler to dropkick him in the kisser.
4: Roadblock, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's supposed to be outside the ring, not paying attention so he can get dropkicked. Right. But you can tell he's like, I don't know how to approach like... Uh, like yelling at woman, so he stands there for a moment just like you could tell he's thinking like what should i do then he's like i'll just do some finger pointing <laughs> i thought you were gonna say he had trouble approaching women i was yeah. gonna say that's not something we could solve on nitro
3: This not week. the rochester roadblock no <laughs> no no no, no. <laughs> benoit beats roadblock against the railing right in front of steinbrenner and his grandson benoit rolls roadblock back into the ring as the announcers speculate that steinbrenner probably liked eric firing jimmy Jett and Randy Anderson earlier because Steinbrenner likes firing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brain actually mentions former Yankees manager Billy Martin, who yep. was famously fired or forced into resigning five different times yes. <laughs> by Steinbrenner. I had forgotten. I like I knew that story, but it had been a long time, so I, I had to look up Billy Martin and be like, oh, that's right. He was there so many times. Yeah. He was there
5: sometime in the early 90s, too, like fairly recently from this episode, wasn't he?
3: Maybe. I don't know. Hmm um i do know he was played by john totoro in an espn movie made about uh, I, uh season. i was
4: also in the back of my mind i'm like john totoro played him for some reason they, they made a movie me.
3: about like a particularly bad season i think it's the one where reggie jackson like demands to get traded from the yankees
4: oh he that might have been like uh the uh the the straw that stirs the drink mm, sure it was uh, a famous thing that he said in an interview that was supposed to be off the record, and then, like, everyone hated him because uh, he was like, I'm bigger than the rest of the team sure. sort of thing. Benoit uses a series of kicks to force Roadblock to the mat before hitting a top
3: rope headbutt for the three count. Shivani says it wasn't easy for Benoit, uh, but he just beat Roadblock in two and a half minutes, so I think it was easy for him. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Benoit
5: looked awesome here. Like, he wasn't. You know, because like the size difference, you'd think like he would be using his speed to his advantage or going off the top rope. He's just going toe to toe (laughs) and kicking shit out of him. Like (laughs) half the match, he's just punching and kicking him in the face and stuff and just trucks him and cleanly beats him. I thought he looked awesome.
4: I was a mention. So, Billy Martin managed to the Yankees from 1975 to 1978, then was fired. Came back in 1979, was fired. Came back in 1983. Was fired. <laughs> came back in 1985, was fired. that's so four. And then right. came back in 1988. Wow. wow. At, but the first time he managed was in 1969 for the Minnesota Twins. Yes,
3: I do uh, recall. He was a former, former twin uh, manager, if not player. Tony says that the video
4: provided earlier by the Outsiders is now ready for viewing. Oh, man, they found all those different connections, and <laughs> they found the right VCR. Yeah, they sent a
3: guy down to Circuit City. No, probably Radio Shack back in those days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The footage is black and white, having been shot by Six on his camcorder. It shows Holland Nash in the front of the car with Nash driving. They pass uh, a home like and claim that it's Lex Luger's, and I don't know if mm. the joke is that it's like it looks fine. It's not yeah. like a house a rich person would have, but yeah. it's not like an embarrassingly. It's bad It's definitely
5: house. not Lex Luger's house.
4: Sure, I was gonna say that's like um just in general this video it's like weird because we're almost a year away from like Blair Witch. Oh sure. And so like, <laughs> yeah. so like this whole video stuff's not like yeah. a, a trending thing right. just yet. Uh, but I I generally thought like the quality wasn't too bad. Like they yeah, made yeah. it look genuinely like improvise sort of thing the outsiders pull into a gas station where they see the steiners getting
3: into a car they mock the unimpressive video and just excuse me they mock the unimpressive vehicle Mm -hmm. and decide to mess with the steiners for a moment they tail the steiners and mock them for a few blocks like uh everything from not stopping fully at a four-way stop (laughs) which is very
4: funny when you're like a heel to be like those guys made a rolling stop yeah I also like because you hear them s- someone say Einsteiners yeah and like they held on to that like joke yeah are yeah. like oh we got to use that on TV.
3: <laughs> uh, it goes on for a few minutes before Nash decides to give the Steiners a little tap from behind. Scott Steiner throws something from out the window and the NWO pull around so that the two cars are now driving next to each other. Mm-hmm. And although the big thing we're about to see is performed by a stuntman. Like they're still asking a lot of wrestlers yes. to be yeah. speeding along a highway. Mm-hmm. One of them driving uh, the wrong way, like in the you know, if you're as if you're passing, yeah. And they're leaning out
4: the window, screaming at each other. It seems <laughs> extremely unsafe. It, it's also like even though they're like maybe supposed to be traveling to the next city, it's yeah. the most off country road that they could right <laughs> right. They, they found like the least populated road to possibly do this on. <laughs> And also, in theory, having asking Six to make sure you get this all recorded so you don't have to do takes. <laughs> right. Uh, Rick yells incomprehensibly out the windows at the
3: NWO, and so they, like, <laughs> swerve at him, running Rick off the road. Uh, they do a really great job, I thought, disguising yes. a camera cut. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, Six kind of gets jostled around, and, and just they hide a cut in there somewhere, mm-hmm. and uh, it cuts to footage of that same car then hitting something that's off the shoulder and flipping uh, that, as I said, it was a stunt driver friend of Hollywood Hogan's, actually, who nice. did the
4: driving there. He was a friend.
3: <laughs> what, was now it Brutus dead.
5: Beefcake? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Not that good of a friend. Uh, funny <laughs>
3: note, um, some uh, somebody on Twitter, I forget who or, or I'd shout them out, but mentioned that they were at the show. And I was like, oh, anything you remember? And he was like, the one thing I remember is that uh, Ed Leslie came to the show and just, like, was in the crowd with his kids. Like, <laughs> <laughs> was not like, backstage or anything? Just awesome. like, <laughs> so that's funny. Uh, I'm sure he went backstage at some point, but it's right. funny that he watched any of the show just out with the hoi polloi. Yeah. Uh, the NWO seem a little shocked that their prank went so far <laughs> and they drive off. Uh, and this just begs the question, and the announcers will get to this immediately when the video is done, yeah. like, they just provided evidence that they did a major crime. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why did they do this? <laughs> They're like, don't worry, we have video that proves that we're not the bad guys here. Yeah. And then the video shows them, like, drive them off the road. They <laughs> do it and then immediately <laughs> afterward they're like, "Oh no, look at the thing we did." <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's give it to our boss. <laughs> it's such a strange I I don't know if there's any kind of payoff to this. I doubt there is, but like mm. I would I really would like to know what sort of motive they have in turning this footage over. Yeah. Other other than they just think that they're completely untouchable and they think it's funny. Like that's the only right. real explanation there can be is they think it's funny that they're untouchable. A stun Tony then throws the commercial and we come back and the announcers sell the seriousness of the footage that they saw. So this this was to write off the Steiners for a bit, right? For a bit, but it's not that long. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's still just that Scott's hip is bothering him because, you know, he came back. He's wearing that kind of like built-in supportive belt into his uh, singlet now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think that, yeah, they just decided that he wasn't evil, which is weird because you'd think in a four-team... Tag match, he would probably never even have to go in the ring. You could just have mm. Rick go in every time. So it is a little weird.
4: Yeah. So um, another one of the reports I read from The Time has a theory as far as why they did this. Ooh. Um, one is that the Steiners were legitimately pissed about being stripped of the titles. The decision wasn't made until right before airtime, supposedly, that it was going to happen. Scott may have walked off, and this is WCW's way of explaining Steiner's disappearance. Mm. Especially since all the smart marks are expecting the Steiners to join Sting's army, um, and in fact, some people think that that's not actually Scott in the video. Interesting. In which I was like, "I'm not. I'm not going to go back and watch. I'm not Zapruder mm. filming this. I'm going not... back to the Warren Commission. <laughs> right. <laughs> back and to the left." <laughs>
3: Uh, another thing that's very funny is that apparently they're completely unable to get any kind of update. Uh, they don't know where the Steiners are. They don't know if they're in a hospital. They don't know what day this happened. Tony even says like, um, I can't believe a company of our size is on It's like, yeah, dude, me neither. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> I also can't believe that. So the Steiners are driven <laughs> off the road with... Question mark as far as their status, yeah, as far as being alive or they not. might be dead in they that might car. I it wasn't country that they, road, they don't know they're hurt, but they don't know the, extent, the extent, extent of their injuries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they they said at the beginning of the show that they were quote unquote involved in an automobile accident, right. I assume we're like, if the details were they were both deceased, they would probably.
3: I <laughs> think <laughs> it gets down to that weird <laughs>
4: thing where wrestling
3: announcers are like quasi journalists, and so they somehow have like a tip, but like from yeah. a mysterious source that couldn't give them full information, right. Like, That's my guy like in the Georgia State
4: Highway Patrol <laughs> gave me this. So, basically, the Steiners were written off for a brief moment, and no one quite, like, it seems like backstage there's not quite an obvious reason why.
3: Yeah, if I see anything in the in the newsletters as I read forward, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. certainly say it on the show in the future, yeah. but I, mean, I have be, no explanation. Of I
4: mean, it right besides, now. like, you know, Scott might still be dealing with injuries. Maybe right. when he came back, it was like oh, no, this is way too soon sort of thing. Yeah,
3: a lot of the things that are happening on this show that affect the pay-per-view have no logical explanation that I'm able <laughs> right. to immediately identify.
4: There feels like there's a lot of things that are just riding off the seat of their pants. <laughs> just like they're improvising like six days before a pay-per-view.
3: At that point, we get the Dungeon of Doom music playing as Mean Gene is in the aisle to talk to Kevin Sullivan, Miss Jacqueline, and Jimmy Hart as they walk to the ring.
7: We are anxiously awaiting the arrival of the Dungeon of Doom. Kevin Sullivan, Jimmy Hart, and I would have to, yes, I would have to suspect that I'm correct, Miss Jacqueline. As you know, there has been all-out war going on in World Championship Wrestling in recent weeks between you, Kevin Sullivan, and a gentleman by the name of Chris Benoit. It involves, well, it involves a number of different people, and I'll get to that in a moment. But in San Francisco, at 4 o'clock out of the West Coast, of course, 7 o'clock on pay-per-view this Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, Super Brawl, Kevin Sullivan, Chris Benoit, and on the outside, this young lady, Miss Jacqueline, will have a leather strap on her wrist attached to that, a woman. Jimmy Hart, I am very curious, my friend, where are you gonna be during all of this?
8: Well, you know me, Gene, Jimmy Hart can't hit a woman, but Jacqueline can. Woman? You have been built on a bluff the whole time you have been in professional wrestling. But in San Francisco, California, at Super Brawl, when you are strapped to Jacqueline on the ringside, you're gonna find out why Kevin Sullivan and Jacqueline are just too legit
7: to quit. You know something, I gotta, I gotta say this, Kevin Sullivan. Real
8: yeah. simple, Gene, let me make it real clear. First, it was Kevin versus Chris. Then it was Nancy versus Kevin. Then it was Nancy and Chris versus Kevin, and I didn't have any way to go. Until this lady strutted back into my life, and she said, isn't it ironic that on the eve of the pay-per-view, you walked back into my house because the people in Tampa know that this is where I was raised, from Beliche Boulevard to 7th Street to me." I ran these streets and I owned them. Oh, no, I didn't cross the bridge and build myself a castle in the sky. No, Nancy, you wanted to save my soul, so you took me out of the neighborhood and drove me to Daytona, put me up in a penthouse and locked the key. It took me a while to get through that lock, but once I got my freedom back, it's real simple. In San Francisco, Benoit, Nancy, we're gonna see whose fire is hotter. Yours, mine, Jackie's, or Chris's. Let's put our money, because on
7: Main Street, the brothers are betting on these two. You know, some are calling you a home wrecker, Miss Jacqueline, I wouldn't though. You know, Nancy, you trying to make
11: something out of Kevin that wasn't right. You out of his life, and I'm back in his life. You're not a woman; you're a little girl. Whoa. And at the pay-per-view, if you interfere in the match, I'm gonna take that leather strap and whip you all around the ring because we're too legit to
8: quit. Too legit to quit.
7: Wait a minute, Miss Jackie. Before you leave, what? one more question. What? what What did you say about woman and the, the the behind part?
8: Nancy, you got a big fat
2: butt. Whoa.
3: Gene promotes the upcoming Sullivan versus Benoit match and reminds us that Jacqueline and Woman will be strapped together for that one. I believe it's also said during the show that it's going to be a San Francisco death match or something. Sure. Uh, just, you know, another excuse to have them in a notice qualification match because yeah. that's what all their matches are.
4: I. I don't get the reasoning behind, like, why are the two women strapped to each other when the idea is, yeah. like, they, they should be apart from each other? I mean, well, I like... think
3: it's that it will make it less likely they'll be able to interfere because Jacqueline will stop
4: woman and woman will stop Jacqueline.
2: Mm-hmm. I think
3: that's the reason. Okay. And then Jimmy Hart can just do whatever he wants. <laughs> I think... <laughs> if I was Jimmy Hart, I'd be like, I'm staying the fuck away from that <laughs> match. Gene S. Hart where he'll be during all this and Hart says that he can't hit a woman, but Jacqueline can. Mm-hmm. He warns women that at Super Brawl, she'll find out why Sullivan and Jacqueline are just too legit to quit. Uh, This is, of course, a reference to a six-year-old follow-up single to Can't Touch This by the parachute pant-wearing MC Hammer.
5: (laughs) You know, I think, Tim, the first time I hung out with you in college Mm -hmm. was when we watched a a Super Bowl of the year that the Donovan McNabb Eagles were in. Was that like 2005 or something like that? Possibly. And that year had a commercial with MC Hammer in it. it, It's like uh, the sandlot where a bunch of things like get thrown over a fence and they're like, where's my baseball or whatever. One of the things that gets thrown over is MC Hammer playing himself. (laughs) And he does can't touch this. And the kids pick him up and throw him back over. Oh, that's
3: sad. Sullivan talks about how he grew up in the Tampa area, getting a baby face reaction from the crowd for a Mm. moment there. He was looking for it, too. (laughs) he was he did he said it in a big way to get a reaction yeah sure he rambles about how nancy made a move to daytona where she locked him in a penthouse and then essentially says that black people in tough neighborhoods think he's gonna win this sunday he says (laughs) like the brothers in the streets know i'm gonna win (laughs) yeah it's like okay that's real weird thing to say right jacqueline says that nancy isn't a woman she's a little girl and that if she tries to get involved
4: with the match jacqueline will whip her with the leather strap because she's too legit to quit. I just thought it was weird that Sullivan was like, "This tough love I had was I was like put up in like this great like hotel room, yeah, my na- and I was locked in where like I could just order room service or something like that." Well, I, he, I mean, he, oh, I hate talking about this Sullivan.
3: Uh, he <laughs> he has talked a lot in former promos about how he's from the streets and all this. Yeah. So I think, and I'm not from Florida, so I don't know, but I think the implication is like Daytona's some kind of ritzier place, and he's like. I'm tough, I'm from the streets, but she made me move to this like, bullshit place full of bullshit people yeah. and live in a penthouse, and that's not who I am. I think that's... Mm. He's too legit to quit, Dave. Yeah, apparently. Oh, uh, they really want to get that phrase over this promo for some reason. Uh, Gene then... Speaking of things they really wanted to get in this promo... Uh-huh. Gene then prompts ja- Jacqueline, asking what Jacqueline said about women's behind, uh, which must be because Jacqueline forgot her, na- her line. Yeah. Uh, as she never once mentioned woman's ass at all. Like, it's (laughs) it's just a completely prompt out of nowhere because she forgot her line. Uh Uh, uh, So Jackie says that Nancy has a big fat butt. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And they walk off with Hart yelling, too legit to quit, several more times. (laughs) Can you imagine a Kevin Sullivan t-shirt in 1997 that says, too legit to quit? Oh, that'd be great. (laughs) The
4: Taskmaster.
3: In the ring is the aforementioned Doc Dean. As I said before, he's a young British friend of Regal's, brought in to do some jobs for a couple weeks. Uh, his real name, believe it or not, is Ian Dean. <laughs> Ian Dean. Ian doc, Dean. Doc,
4: doc Dean is a lot less goofy. Uh,
3: he wrestled from... <laughs> He wrestled from 1984 until 1998 when he retired due to injuries and sadly died in 2018 of a heart attack at only 46 years old. Mm. Uh, we'll never see him again for the pod except for maybe he has an appearance on Thunder in July of 98. Uh, who knows what we'll do with Thunder if we ever get there. <laughs> I don't I don't even want to think about it no right now. No one
5: knows what the plans for Thunder were. Yeah.
3: Uh, but here to call all the action is our senior Thunder correspondent. John Amator. Thank you.
5: I will note that uh, I have this written as Kevin Sullivan versus some fella because I didn't hear his name <laughs> till halfway through the match. <laughs> um, so I will also say the Kevin Sullivan promo was like three and a half minutes long and yeah. it was awful. It was and longer that than was, most of the matches on this show. Yeah, that mm. was already too long for him to be on TV. Um, uh, Taskmaster starts out the match by with another Pearl Harbor. That's like the fourth one of the show, I yep. think. Yeah. Um, Hits the guy with a forearm in the back of the head, but he bumps backwards like an idiot. That was just already a bad side for this match. Um, As Taskmaster is working on him, Tony Schiavone and uh, the rest of the crew are talking about Piper and Alcatraz. Tony says, speaking of cold and desolate, take a look at what we have here a man who has lived a cold and desolate life known as a Taskmaster, but he can turn up the heat in the ring <laughs> <laughs> as he's fighting Doc Dean, who's bumping backwards.
4: That's um, that's the most over Taskmaster's ever been.
5: Absolutely, yep. <laughs> uh, Taskmaster's stomping, punching, and raking the guy and throwing him all over the place. Throws him out of the ring. Jacqueline beats him up on the floor, gets a good pop as she body slams him. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Crowd
3: loves that. You know the trade-off? I'm just thinking about this now. The trade-off with Sullivan being a talent and a booker is that he's not the guy who's putting himself on top. And Bischoff mm-hmm. is in charge of like the top of the card booking anyway. Yeah. But Sullivan's not the guy who like puts himself over as the champion. Um, or he's not even like on the show every week necessarily. Mm-hmm. But he is the guy who every time he is in the ring, he's the most Badass guy, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. he's this little baby looking motherfucker, but he's mm-hmm. just like they always give him some jobber. So like, no important person with a contract can be mad at him or whatever. Yeah, and he just tosses these guys around and stomps the hell out of their chest, mm-hmm. and is com- and the announcers sell him like a complete badass. And that's the trade off, like. He's nobody with a spot in the company is going to have Sullivan, like, come in and just wreck them. Yeah. But he is going to always be portrayed as a complete badass. Yes. Yeah.
4: Like, yeah. He's always facing the, the most jobber guys right. possible. Yeah. This
3: guy, like, hasn't they just flew him in for a weekend. So it does not matter how he looks, you know. Mm-hmm.
5: Let's see. So Jackie gets a really good pop, like I said, for body slam on the outside. Um, Tony says this woman will beat you up, strap or not, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, couple of hope spots for the jobber. My comment is, why is this match so long? And it's only been about forty-five seconds. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Sullivan throws him to the outside again, and this time Jackie hits a suplex on him that mm-hmm. also got a good pop. I yep. thought
4: it looked cool. She's also just like laying in chops too. Oh, her uh, chest hits are and, really hard. Yeah, yeah.
5: Yep. Um, Sullivan gets him in the tree of woe, hits the running knee, then the double stomp, and the pin in. Four minutes. Jesus Christ. So we got like something like eight straight minutes of Kevin Sullivan. I thought that was way too much.
4: When, when he went for the uh, the running knee, he went to the other turnbuckle and uh, Jacqueline came up and gave him like a little mm-hmm. shoulder. Rub. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, I, I don't need this. I also <laughs> thought
3: he because I think they've done stuff like that before. And this wasn't the case. But this time he looked like pissed about it for whatever reason. I don't <laughs> no. know. if Maybe he's mad that she le- forgot her line earlier. I don't know. But he, he or, didn't or maybe maybe,
4: like, maybe she was improvising and he wasn't aware of it. She's sure. like, oh, that's not a thing I was told about. We see replays. Uh, I've got nothing else to say about that. Do
3: you. The only <laughs> <No>. other <laughs> just, thing I add on. is
5: this. Obviously, predates China beating up men regularly sure. on TV. She's just uh, been ooh. introduced, but she. I don't think yeah. she's
3: beat up. She's just been like spotted and referred to as that woman because there's yeah. like that weird period where they don't have a name for her yet. Yep. Yeah.
4: Was it? I mean, it's really, really soon. Is it? It's like their February pay per view where she becomes China in WWF. Hmm. Sure. It's like we're like it's, within it's a coming week. up for sure yeah or it or did it just happen i don't know yeah I I one of the two i think I, I
3: watched i think i watched final four of like months ago and i don't recall it then so maybe it's march no March lousy smart weather anyway <laughs> that we, see, laugh. <laughs> <laughs> we see replays of jackie manhandling dean and the doubles foot stomp finish bobby calls the replays and hypes the pay-per-view match saying that jackie will be stripped or strapped to woman. Hmm. It was an honest mistake. Like it was a, a real mistake, but then he notices that it's funny and then he chuckles and says, Well, you never know. Could be that too. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Uh, we get hyped that Flares here. The giant will face two men, but first, a commercial. After that break, Conan walks the ring and Tony tells us that Hogan has arrived and we'll hear from him later. At that point, the United States champion Eddie Guerrero is Conan's opponent and he walks to the ring. Here to call all the action, and I think has some information about when China became China, is our number one (laughs) China fan.
4: (laughs) I had that like Dave Amador, glassed over look. (laughs) I could tell Um, you were waiting to get in. I I felt that you're on deckness. Yep. Uh, China made her WWF debut the night before at your house, Final Four. But she didn't manhandle any dudes yet, did she? She was just like shown. This is is when she manhandled uh, Marlena.
3: Oh, okay. Oh yeah, the, she put her in that bear
4: hug. Yeah, was just awesome. like swung her around. Uh-huh. And, yeah, so she debuted just the day before. But she's not China. She's she's that woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah and like, she's
5: not beating up men yet.
4: Right. Yeah. Um Alright, yes, yeah, so we're at the big old United States heavyweight title match between Eddie Guerrero and Conan. We begin this title match with shoving. Then it is Conan who gets the first offense in by overpowering his smaller opponent hitting a press slam. A second press slam attempt is reversed by Guerrero, and the two trade counters until Eddie sends Conan to the outside with an arm drag. His follow-up, Plancha, is just blocked by Conan. He's just not interested, uh, <laughs> who throws him to the guardrail before hitting a shotgun drop kick? Conan is still allegedly the Mexican heavyweight champion, by the way. They mentioned that during this match. They they seem to make a point of that. Like, yeah, remember he's still a champion. It's like, what does that mean? That's not that's not meant anything. And why hasn't he
3: held the belt? Like, why hasn't he come uh, out with the belt in a year and a half, mate? Like it seems yeah. like it's been forever. Yeah,
5: and they mentioned that before they even mentioned that this is a US title match.
4: <laughs> it's not for the Mexican heavyweight championship, right. as far as I know. Back in the ring, Conan hits his rolling clothesline, then decides he needs a breather, so he slaps on a reverse chinlock. Another shotgun dropkick, this time in the ring, gets Conan a two-count only, so he returns to the trusty old chin lock. Guerrero gets to his feet, only to be clotheslined and body slammed by Conan. Uh, Conan then goes to the top, and his flying nothing, another flying nothing, is countered by a Guerrero dropkick. So basically the same spot. The same spot.
3: Uh, Somehow I bet Rey and Callow Performed it better than I mean, I no, hey, did, mean no slight on Eddie, but then anyone and Conan.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I f- I think this was another one where it was pretty obvious he wasn't going to hit anything. Sure, yeah. Uh, the trade off moves, then Conan goes for Chinlock number three, and he's noticeably sucking wind. And this mm. is like three minutes into the match. That I mean, that's
3: a common refrain in every Conan match we point out. Yeah, so I think he does a really good job, like going into the the real history between these guys, because like Conan was trained by. One of Eddie's uh, brothers or uncles, I think brothers, because his brother mm-hmm. a lot of his brothers are a lot older. Yeah,
4: than I think him. they were saying that Conan's also just like really good friend because it's like Chavo, like the older Chavo Guerrero. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but
3: then there is a weird thing in there where he says like Conan doesn't believe that Eddie Guerrero is like truly representing Mexicans, which like okay, sure. Conan is Cuban American, <laughs> <laughs> right?
4: <laughs> so that's a little. Uh, <laughs> Conan lets grow get up to his feet so he can hit him with a sit out power bomb, which Eddie kicks out of. We now get chin lock number four, and I wanted to note that these holds have been declining in quality each time. Mm-hmm. And now Conan is just kind of wrapping his arms around Eddie's head. Like there's <laughs> it's not really a hold. He's it's just kind of resting his arms yeah. on his head pretty much. Eddie tries to rally, but Conan drops into the mat and digs into his offensive bag of tricks, pulling out an armbar. Eddie finally has a successful rally, punching Conan before hitting his patented Brainbuster suplex. Eddie signals for the frog splash, and as he ascends a corner, Conan gets to his feet, trying to block the finisher and hit a superplex of his own. However, Eddie sends Conan tumbling back to the map and finally hits a frog splash, but the faces of fear hit the ring before he can get the pinfall. So Eddie Guerrero gets a disqualification victory, um, which... I would feel like it would be better served for him to get a more legitimate victory since he's defending the championship at Super Brawl. Yeah, Uh,
3: he's the United States champion defending the belt at the pay-per-view. Meanwhile, Conan is in an an, as-of-yet unannounced six-man tag. Right. It's pretty stupid.
5: Yeah. I'll also say the logic here is a little... So Barbarian and Ming come out, right? Mm -hmm. They're in the number one contender's tag team match. Yep. Those two and Conan get destroyed by Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho. So they <laughs> they, yeah. beat, they lose three on two, and one of the two guys that beats him up, it was just in like a 10-minute match.
3: Well, it's pretty funny because, yeah, so as you say, the Faces of Fear, they're beating on Guerrero, outruns Chris Jericho. Uh, Jericho offers a bunch of, frankly, pretty poorly timed kicks, which is yeah. atypical of Jericho in this mm-hmm. era, but he he's not great. And though the Faces of Fear do run off, they no sell all of his moves. Like yeah. they basically yeah. are just like annoyed by him and leave. There's no way that they're going to sell for someone that small. Like yeah. Megan Barbarian is like, Nope, not happening.
4: Yeah. One, like the, one of the more popular mistakes that wSw likes to make during this time is when they have like these different wrestlers with these with different matches or angles or things like that going on. They make them face each other. Mm-hmm. And then it's always like, well, it's a situation where both need to look good. Right. But they don't do that. it's like, Someone ends up looking bad, leading into an important match. Right. Um, they just di- they just have they like, have so many guys that they could bring in. Right. Right. That right. could just lose a match. So like Guerrero could look good, or mm-hmm. what was there was another one that was earlier. I don't remember, but um, yeah, I mean, they just put themselves in these positions to just guarantee someone looks bad going right. into their pay per view match.
3: We see some replays uh, with Bobby calling Eddie Le- Eddie Guerrero La Bamba, which uh, uh, never never yeah. loved that one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, after that, Gene Okerlund is once again in the aisle, and he welcomes to the show the Four Horsemen. They all come out, including Arn Anderson, who, uh, just to refresh people's memory, is not yet aware that his current injury is actually career-ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just thinks he's dealing with like a sore arm, but it's like nerve damage that he'll just never actually get over. Flair asks Gene if he can smell the excitement in the air caused by the horsemen being in town looking so good. <laughs> <laughs> Flair talks about how they're reunited and getting along, which is true, but we've talked about this like three weeks in a row. Yeah. I mean, I know it's been a while since we recorded, but I, mm. and so that stretches out the time this has yeah. been. But like, I just feel like we've been hearing the horsemen in turmoil took so long, and now mm. the horsemen reunited is taking, like, just. Turn a page, start talking about some other shit.
4: Yeah, and and Ric Flair always comes off as, like, he's not really paying attention to mm-hmm. whatever, because, thi- like, I feel like they're still very much in turmoil. <laughs> but he just comes in and is like, ah, everything's cool, right. Nature Boy's here. Arn speaks on the same things and also about how the tide is turning in the
3: WCW versus NWO, NWO war. Citing Bubba being sent to the hospital and Larry Zbysko right. standing up to the outsiders. Oh, and Jimmy Jett doing the right thing. Yeah. He's got three examples. Ah. Arn also says that he has hundred grand lying around that he'll give to Randy Anderson. So don't if feel bad ne- for him, I guess. He said if he needs it. If he needs it, he probably doesn't. Randy might be like, no, I'm good. Yeah, no, referees I, I get paid like six hundred grand a year. What are you <laughs> talking about? <laughs> Mongo is still acting as the one heel in the group, which I, I actually, I know I say this probably every week, but I love that dynamic where the four horsemen are baby faces, but this one guy's a dick.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's not a great promo, but he's consistent in right. his character. His character's always like, I'm going to rile up the fans no matter what. And the cheap, like, sports heat works so much
3: better when it's a guy who played the sport. So yeah. he's like, I always loved beating your team. Yeah, yeah. Like, not just your team sucks, but I beat your team. Right. That rules. That's so cool. Uh Mongo has the knee all taped up, uh so yeah, still unsure if he legitimately heard it or not, but he is still selling it. Deborah says that her experience judging beauty pageants means that she can spot a winner, and Jeff Jarrett is a winner. Then she says that Jacqueline is bad at walking in high heels, <laughs> scintillating stuff there. <laughs> How dare she say that? Uh Benoit oh god, he talks
4: forever and it's so rambly. It's it just—I'm so tired of it. It's yeah. a mess, and like going into it, I like read a review where it's like nothing noteworthy other than Benoit is especially terrible. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that did not prepare me for how <laughs> bad this is because he does—he has like these moments, and a lot of wrestlers that are just not good at promos will yeah. just have those moments where they pause, and yeah. that's like the worst mistake they could do is pausing because then he's like, "Oh, I got to reload," and like what should I talk about now? And it keeps going. And then I think they tried to interrupt him. And he was like, no, 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 let me finish whatever it is I'm trying to say. This is the one good part of the promo,
3: actually, because he goes, don't wrap this up. I'm not done. And you hear somebody in the crowd go, you're done. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Yes. Yeah. The last guy you would yell something at, too, because Benoit is scary as hell. Right. Just <laughs> but they're like, the promo's so bad. Yeah. You have to stop. It always seems like he has no idea where the sentence is going. Yeah. So he has this, like, very serious, like, you know, icy tone or whatever, but it's mm. always just, like, he's just talking and talking until he finds where a period can go, yeah. and then he's done.
4: And then, like, a, you'll get, like, a few times a year in which he just, like, pulls it off, and I feel like that gives him a lot... They give, get a lot of leeway. Yeah. They're like, oh, this will be one of his good ones. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> this era
5: is missing... Like something from like the late, like the late eighties and early nineties, WWF had is all those pre-tape promos backstage. Yes,
3: yes.
4: they He's should. One that would really benefit. Yeah, from yeah, yeah,
5: guys like him, I think, would yeah. really benefit. I mean,
4: because they did, they do have those ones where it's like in the quote-unquote WW locker room that mm-hmm. they would do with machine, yep, yep. and they should just do that more often. Yeah, yeah. For Bebo.
3: After a break, Giant runs to the ring, still with no music, uh, but he does get some cool pyro from the like Kane style kind of pyro as he does his choke slam pose in the ring. He is in a handicap match against two men. Uh, one is Dave Canell, or Canal, probably, also known as Assassin, Cuban Terrorist, Terrorist, Hitman, Destroyer, David Sierra, Dave Sierra, Fidel Sierra, no, Ooh. Fidel Ooh. Cubano, <laughs> El Cubano, Saint, Top Gun, Top Gun Number One, Top Gun Assassin, El Borica, David Patterson, Bruce Patterson, Dave Patterson, and the Cuban Assassin. Oh, <laughs> And to round it all out, El Diablo. Ooh,
4: <laughs> Fidel Cubano. That is,
3: that's great. Uh, we've seen him once before, technically. Uh, he was in the 60-man Battle Royal uh, World War Three match in 1996. Yeah, that, being one of those guys that gets dumped out right, right. away doesn't yeah. count. Uh, he's wrestled all over the place for the WWF, ECW, Japan, Mexico. Uh, Puerto Rico as I think, where he does most of his work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will come in and lose on pro and worldwide over the next few years, but we'll never see him again. So he's involved in WCW, but never again on a Nitro or pay-per-view oh, okay. or anything. Uh, he also had matches all the way up until 2020. So uh, quite a long career for the Cuban assassin. Oh, yeah. Speaking of, uh,
4: he is of, of all those names. He's top gun tonight is the one they keep calling him. But doesn't he have something different on his tights? Doesn't it say Maybe. like, I think it says like destroyer on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: His partner is Toronto native Joseph Dorgan, a.k.a. Johnny Swinger. Uh, He has been wrestling (laughs) for a mere three years here. He's been on the indies. He's jobbed on Raw a few times. Uh, Then he spends years, actually, as a WCW enhancement talent, which is where we find him now. Uh, He will pop up occasionally uh, in the future. He's even on the highest rated Nitro of all time. Just to give you, a I little... assume his segment is also the highest <laughs> rate of all time. <laughs> mm. uh, after WCW, he does some late period ECW, uh, yep. like right before they kind of fold. Uh, and then he's in TNA. In which two... is a coincidence, by <laughs> the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then he does some indies and uh, to this day is occasionally used by Impact. Yes. Like he has uh, some yep. very recent Impact matches. The two get a decent start as Top Gun distracts the Giant from the floor and Swinger drop kicks the Giant in the back and assaults him in a corner. He's the victim of hubris, however, as he does some dancing and then tries to Irish whip the giant, who reverses and squashes him against the turnbuckles. I
4: felt, I felt like his dancing was just to remind you his name is Johnny Swinger.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> giant chokeslam Swinger and Top Gun tries to sneak up on the giant. The giant chokeslams him, too, and pins both for an easy one-minute victory. Top Gun just became a pop gun with that one, exclaims Tanae. No. So I want to mention here just quickly, right around the time of this Top Gun just became a Pop Gun line, mm. uh, a fan just really makes the most of his moment. He somehow knows that the hard cam is the cam they're on, and he unfolds a big sign right in front of it that says, Doug Campion, Burnout for Life. Hmm. Uh, and you guys know me. Uh, You're I are going to look up who Doug Campion is. I found is. Doug Campion. I looked him up. Uh, Doug Campion is a realtor down in Florida. Uh, I emailed him. I said, is this you? Because, you know, Florida. I figured it's likely the same Doug Campion. Right. <laughs> he said, yes, that's me, uh, LOL. My old roommate was one of the biggest wrestling fans you've ever met. He used to go to events and tell me not to touch the VCR because he recorded them. You're the second person over the last 20 years to sniff me out because of that sign. Wow. I kept worrying that he was going to be like, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> right. like, why are you cyber-stalking us? But, like, no, yeah. he was. he thought it was very entertaining.
4: I feel like everyone that you've, like... Touch base with have been pretty receptive Yeah they
3: get a tickle out of it
4: Yeah the Giant
3: leaves briefly but returns with spray paint. He sprays Top Gun with Hall and Swinger with Nash before he's joined in the ring by Gene and Lex Luger. Gene tries to ask Giant about the match this Sunday against Hall and Nash, but Lex is very distractingly waving a piece of paper around. Yes,
4: he, he's got his bit. He's going to get it in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the
3: Giant indulges Flexy Lexi by asking what it is and Lex obviously <laughs> wants to tell him. Lex says he's got good news. He searched far and wide and eventually found a doctor willing to clear him to wrestle this Sunday. That sounds very dubious. Yeah, it sounds very safe. <laughs> uh, if he wears a protective device over his injured wrist, the giant roars with excitement. Uh, Lex promises the cow palace. We will see some racking and some clotheslining. Lex continues, but is interrupted by Eric Bischoff, who emerges from the back. What, this is like the second Bischoff appearance so far. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Eric says that this clearance comes 167 hours, 54 minutes, and 30 seconds too late. <laughs> I loved the specificity. That Is was that good.
5: like a rent reference? Do you think? Because that. <laughs> oh no, God, no that, he's that no, he's talking
3: because he was saying. Oh, uh, I
5: I know that how the hours shake out, but like rent came out like exactly, like almost exactly a year before this nitro.
3: But, but that's the number way. of minutes in a year, not the number of hours in a week.
5: Uh, it starts uh, <laughs> with a bunch of, bunch of numbers and All minutes right, and All right, you
3: stuff. theater geek. <laughs> it was needed by the end of last week's show. Eric says to Lex, you will not wrestle this week in San Francisco. Lex calls Bishop a pathetic little creature and says that Eric can't stop Lex from flying to San Francisco and getting a hotel room which is certainly a true statement, but Lex enjoying the fine amenities of the Bay Area
4: is unlikely to be much help of, to the giant. <laughs> right. <laughs> and definitely Lex had, like, these different things he yeah, knows he could like, do. Yeah, and he's you like, can't oh. stop me from getting a hotel room! And Eric's like, yeah, why would I bother? What would <laughs> right. be the point in doing that?
3: Lex says there's a lot of things Eric can't control, and Eric bristles at the implied threat. He calls the giant a furball, and giant and Rex... Uh, Giant and Lex race up the aisle the announcers for once realize that there will be NWO goons waiting in the back like Eric because Eric insults them and they run and Eric yeah. runs the back and they're like don't do it you guys there's gonna be NWO guys back there to beat you up which makes perfect sense so of course this is the one time that doesn't happen <laughs> yeah they just go to break everything <laughs> was fine it wasn't a trap at all oh <laughs> After a break, we finally go fake live to Alcatraz. I, I don't know why they felt the need to say over and over again, this is live, but this is pre-taped. Mm-hmm. Uh, during uh, his road report, Lee Marshall, as uh, we mentioned, said you could see the lights on, but it is the middle of the day,
11: mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which is
3: also probably a sign that it's not live, because even though it's two hours earlier in in um, California yeah. than in Florida, like
4: it still would probably be getting dusky at this yeah. time of day in February. And as, we, and as we get, like the idea is that Piper was there for seven days, seven nights, six He's days. going
3: to be. He's locking oh, okay. himself in now, and he's going to stay until the pay-per-view, although they confusingly keep saying uh, like seven days when it's actually six days away, so I guess he checked in yesterday or something. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, if you want to hear all about how these segments are shot, I'm not going to go into that much detail, um, but there is an entire episode, I think it's the first one, of neil pruitt's uh friend of the show secrets of nitro Mm -hmm. uh that where he goes into great detail about how this was shot most of the footage of alcatraz is actually used uh for super brawl it's the intro to super brawl features piper uh but there's a lot of just interesting production notes if you want to hear how that was all put together just how a wrestling vignette is filmed yeah uh what's interesting is contemplating the amount that wcw spent on this because just getting the boat To get to and from the island and sit around waiting for them for the like eight hours it took to shoot, that cost alone about six, seven thousand dollars. Uh so you gotta figure the whole thing, probably like twenty-five to thirty. Yeah. I mean, maybe even more. I don't know how much Alcatraz charges. Mm -hmm. Uh and all for something that does not add, I would argue, a single eyeball to Nitro or the pay-per-view or build the brand in any significant way. Right. (laughs) Right.
10: Roddy Piper live from Alcatraz. Time <laughs> gone, man. <laughs> Not even Taz does Alcatraz. <laughs> what am I doing? You know how hard I worked. Hogan, Hogan, you're listening to me. You know how hard I worked. 28 years I fought. I fought to get a family. Did you ever wonder why I was on the street when I was 13? Did it ever cross your mind, Hogan? I've been dead inside. You know, when you're dead inside, there's nothing you can do to a man to hurt him. Nothing, man. I'm coming into the cow palace on the 23rd dead inside. Why? Because of you, Mr. Spandex. low-life piece of snake I have ever seen telling people lie that I'm hiding behind my little boy you know you know let's get serious about this because I'm not doing no wrestling promo to try and draw tickets no no you know you know what you do Hogan remember you little kids take your vitamins and say your prayers what happened to that you know why because you're a facade you don't have it in here. You walk in airports in spandex, huh? And then Hollywood Hogan here with your platinum blonde hair. So people will recognize you. Folks, I won't tell you the truth. He needs that recognition. Do I walk around in a kilt when I'm in the airport? No. No, no, I don't do that. You know how hard I tried to give a family you know how proud of my children I am, man. <laughs> Cost me a hip, and never once did I complain. Seven years I fought, no cartilage in my hip. Not once did I complain. Not once did I get beat. And you come along, and in five minutes you take that away from me. Yes. So I says to myself, let's get mean to the extreme, huh? Let's get it. <laughs> and we do our push-ups, and we do our training in Alcatraz. (laughs) I'm gonna stay here for seven days and seven nights, and I ain't creating the world. I am destroying Hulk Hogan. There's not room in this sport for both of us, man. No, 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 no. What you did to me is way beyond wrestling. What? You need another big pay-per-view to buy another yacht in Hollywood, that whole phony situation. You've picked the wrong guy. You have played with the wrong man. Did you hear me, old Let me tell you something. San Francisco, huh? It's as simple as this. I'm going to teach you that pain is a four-letter word. <laughs> and while we're in Frisco, let's take a walk on the wild side. And as the ladies say, do-do-do, do-do-do, doo, doo. what you're going to do when I'm through with you? <laughs> you piece of garbage!
3: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Piper sits in a dark cell in a hallway of the abandoned prison. He says that not even Taz does Alcatraz, and I doubt he's talking about the ECW guy, and more likely about the Tasmanian Devil. But I can't, I don't know what he's referencing. Did it's that, something that might have made sense in '90s. I mean, Taz, the Tasmanian Devil, was a huge thing in the 90s. yeah, it's on shirts and all that. Yeah, the yeah, Looney yeah. Tunes were like really over at this time for whatever reason. So oh. I think that's got to be what it is, but I don't know. Piper, then, uh, the the one funny bit he does here, the one good part, is he keeps talking into the toilet, pretending that Hogan's in there. <laughs> yes. That's really funny. Because not only does he do that, but, like, he, there's a good echo yeah. when he
4: shouts it to the toilet.
0: You hear me, Hogan?
3: Piper said he's <laughs> dead inside, and that when a man is dead inside, there's nothing you can do to hurt him. He says this isn't a wrestling promo meant to sell tickets. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, he's right. He doesn't sell tickets. Yeah. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> I think it's sold out anyway, so that's kind of a moot point here. <laughs> they're spending all; they're just burning money at this point, <laughs> pretty much. He wants to expose Hogan as a liar and a fraud. Piper declares that he's going to stay in Alcatraz for seven days and seven nights. That's what it is. Seven nights, when it should be six nights. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So that's... Uh, yeah, unless he wants to miss the pay-per-view, maybe. I don't know. Piper promises... Piper promises to teach Hogan that pain is a four-letter word, which it is. Yeah, That's how many letters are in the word pain. Right. Hogan might already know that, to be <laughs> fair. Yeah. He yells and does some push-ups, uh, and it was a bizarre little segment. I don't really know. What t- I didn't hate it, but mm-hmm. it was just I didn't. He could have done that in the aforementioned WCW locker room, and it would yes. have been the exact same.
4: Yeah. Like, I mean, other than, like, we want to do something to Alcatraz because it's like, they said it's the first pay-per-view they've had in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, right. Maybe they just want to, not be... just
3: WCW, but ever anyone, no one's done a wrestling pay-per-view from San Francisco.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, just a weird fact. Like, yeah. But, and so maybe they're like, we want this more San Francisco themed. I mean, the cow palace is a super famous building. So
3: I guess, you mm-hmm. know, it, it might be kind of unique that they've never had a pay-per-view from there. I, I don't yeah. know.
4: But, but yeah, like you said, this could easily have been a promo that he could do anywhere, essentially, right. you know? So, But it, it's definitely like one of those just fascinating like uh, moments in WSW where it probably is a lot like how much do they spend on this and did they get any benefit out of it sort right. of deal. To follow that, out comes Chris Jericho, who will
3: be facing the horseman hopeful Jeff Jarrett, and here to call all the action is our own, Dave Amantorp.
4: Yeah, and here here's another match where it's two guys that need to look good going into a pay per view, right? And they put them up against each other, so someone's going to look yeah, bad out of it. Yeah, you're right. They're they're big fans of doing this. And I also uh, taking a look at how much time was left on the show itself. When I saw that this match was like, uh, when this match was next, I was like, oh, okay, we're getting a promo for a main event tonight. <laughs> right? <You know>? Yep. <laughs> Buckling. Yeah, kids. this is technically
3: wrestling wise the main event of the program. Yeah.
4: Uh, So the match is back and forth from the start. And after about 15 seconds, we're cutting to Deborah McMichael. (laughs) So this is not going to be a long match. (laughs) Jarrett hits Jericho with a suplex, then goes for a sleeper. But Chris counters with a side suplex. Jericho drops Jarrett with a toe hold, then rolls him up into La Magistral for a two count. Uh, Jarrett hits a backslide for a two count, then levels Jericho with a clothesline. Uh, Jer- Jarrett goes to the top for a cross body, but Jericho uses their momentum to counter into a cover for two. Now we're seeing Mongo at ringside shouting at his wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jericho hits a double underhook powerbomb, uh, and then when he goes up to the top, Deborah goes up the steps, but basically like politely asks him to not hurt Jericho. Yeah, it's she's pretty- <laughs> she's not stopping him. She's not yelling at him. She's just kind of like could you consider not hurting him anymore? She just saw Jarrett had a match and was like, I better go ask that Chris guy not to hurt him. He's nice. <laughs> right. He'll probably listen. Uh, Jericho 100% ignores her. Yeah. No reaction whatsoever. <laughs> Maybe doesn't even realize that she's there. Right. For all we know. Uh, and goes for a Beck Santon and just gets nothing. Uh, Jarrett then capitalizes, slapping on the figure four. Uh, Deborah is still on the steps and is now engaged with the referee giving Mongo the opportunity to sneak around to the other side of the ring. Uh, he gets into the ring and hits Jarrett in the back with the and briefcase. It's one of those things where the expectation is like the figure four is still held on to, mm-hmm. but the other guy drops and there's a pinfall. But Jarrett kind of like goes like completely limp and loses the figure four. Uh, Jarrett goes trying to keep the figure four on yeah. while getting the pinfall. <laughs> Halfway through is just like I'm gonna kinda roll on him. It's just very awkward. Yeah. But the result is that Jericho gets a pinfall victory and Jarrett in his important match coming at Super Bowl loses.
5: I don't think that hurt Jarrett that much. Like he had Jericho in the figure four. I mean, and plus it's like a two minute match or something. I yeah. don't think those really hurt you on the I don't think anyone's clean. gonna be remembering it, but I
3: agree. Yeah, it sure. seems it's odd booking, but I yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone's gonna remember uh, it, it is weird though because I remember like Jericho, one of his first matches, maybe his first, it might have been his first match in WCW. Uh, he got a win over Alex Wright via like countout, and was like, "No, I don't want to win that way." Yeah, and mm-hmm. here he's like, taking wins when Mongo's he's hitting learning. people with a halberd. He's learning. Yeah, he's yeah. a wily vet now. Yes. <laughs>
4: I just, to me, the highlight was Jericho realizing like they're not quite in the figure four. Sure. And he's got to figure out like a way to pin them. And he kind of like rolls on him while like, like hooking the leg. Yeah. It's just very goofy.
3: Deborah and Mongo argue their way up the aisle with Mongo defending the Halliburton shot as he has to face Jared on Sunday. Yeah. He's like, of course I just went out and attacked him in the middle of his match. <laughs> I have to have a match with him like next week. <laughs> <laughs> Why right. wouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we start to spill over the 10 p.m. threshold as part of Nitro's strategy to beat raw is running over the end of the show Mm -hmm. Uh, and tony reminds us that we still have a hogan appearance to finish the night indeed as the announcers discuss uh piper and hogan the nwo music starts up and out comes a hulkster he's got uh, scott norton vincent eric bischoff elizabeth buff and db out with him Uh, Though only DiBiase, Eric, and Liz come all the
4: way to the ring with Mm -hmm. Hollywood Hogan. But we finally know the status of Scott Norton, which is Yes, he's fine. Yes. He's fine. He's
5: officially not Big Bubba Rogers. (laughs) Right.
9: That's the stuff right there. And you know it too, don't you? Same to you, brother. Same to you. Hollywood, the rest of the world may be afraid of Roddy Piper. The man is a lunatic, but... You are Hollywood Hogan, you are up to the challenge. Look at those, look at those Pythons, ow, yeah. He can lock himself in a room, he can drive himself crazy, he can bounce his head off the bars, but he can't
6: touch your stuff, Hollywood. Well, you know, Mr. Bischoff, Hollywood and everybody out there, all those nwoites they know that Piper's nuts already. They know that he's totally crazy to get back in the ring with Wah, Hollywood, and get his brains beat out again. And you know something, brother? He's crazy to tell his kids that he's coming home, to hide behind his children. And he's even crazier to lie to all these people and tell them that he's kicking Hollywood out of the sport of wrestling. But Hollywood,
0: like I told you back there. Oh my goodness. Oh. There's nothing to be
9: afraid of. Don't leave of that more. set. There's something. Ooh. To...
0: <laughs> Look at that. But we've seen a bond formed recently mm. between the Macho we Man, Randy Savage, guys, and Sting.
9: And they haven't said a word to each Hollywood. other. Hollywood. Piper is history. Password. Piper is history. He's nothing. He can't carry your boots to the ring. He is not half the man that you are. I want you to remember that as you walk up the aisle at the Cow Palace.
6: Brother, none of that is hard to remember. I mean, my God, here in Tampa, Florida, where I used to hang, brother. I'm like a God to these people. Oh, you are. I am the man, brother, that put T-Town on the map. Then I put Venice Beach. Madison Square Garden, Portland, Oregon, yeah, I put Portland and the WCW, now the NWO on the map. They're coming to the ring. Hey, guys, don't worry. We got a deal. Hollywood, before Uh-oh. the night is over,
9: I know Piper can't hear this because he's got himself locked in a cell on Alcatraz, but
6: if he could, do you have any last words for the Maniac? Well, the thing I feel real bad about is I was gonna wrestle him tonight. I had some movie commitments last week, but now that he's locked himself in the cell, half the public in California should be in Alcatraz anyway. But now that Piper's hiding in the cell, I'm sure he's gonna bring all of his children to the Cow Palace because, brother, I'm gonna ride him like a dog that he is. Hollywood rules, and I never. Want to hear Hulk Hogan again? It's Hollywood Hogan. You
0: got it, Hollywood. Show him the guns, brother. Show him the guns. The biggest icon in West. That dog can bite, and he will this Sunday. Good night, everybody.
3: Hulk does a lot of air guitar this week. Yeah, <laughs> and Eric tells the crowd that he loves them as uh, Hulk tears the shirt and poses. My notes accidentally said as Eric tears his shirt and poses, which I would, have, <laughs> I would have loved to see that.
4: He loves Hogan so much. It's just, <laughs> it, it's just the um, the recaps of these promos are exactly the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they do these for like the rest of the year yeah a lot of i realized that
3: um you know the, part of the reason why sometimes i have difficulty with motivation with this podcast uh, is that like a lot of the episodes recently have felt exactly the same mm-hmm. and it's like what is there there's a horseman promo that covers the exact same stuff there's yeah. sullivan uh and woman and there's exact same stuff yep. and there's the hulkster saying the exact same stuff it's it's getting a bit much
4: yeah and you there's no benefit of like There's not a payoff for a pay-per-view because they just continue the storyline anyway. I'm
3: hoping that we turn the page after Super Brawl uh, a little bit and get just some fresh something going on. Right. Yeah. A fresh something. (laughs) Eric smarms smarms about fluffing Hogan over his superior pythons. Jesus. (laughs) Hogan claims that everyone knows that Piper is nuts, totally crazy to get back in the (laughs) ring with him. He says Piper is also crazy to tell his kids that he's coming home and even crazier to tell the fans that he's going to remove Hogan from the sport of wrestling. The crowd pops as Sting and Macho Man make their way down the aisle. Eric is dismissive of any threat from those two and continues to talk to Hogan about Piper. Roddy is history and not half the man that Hogan is. Hogan says that he's like a god to the people of Tampa. As he's the man who <laughs>
5: Sounds like a used car <laughs>
3: <laughs> as he's the man who put T Town, Venice Beach, Madison Square Garden, and Portland, Oregon on the map. <laughs> it took me a real long time to figure out uh Roddy is from Portland. Yeah. And like oh, uh, okay. Portland wrestling kind of revolved around Roddy. So I was like, mm. okay. It, that's good. That's it a good. It took line, me a man. real long time because those are some real disparate cities to be that <laughs> Right. <laughs> Sting and Randy walk further down the aisle, are still completely ignored by the ring's inhabitants, mm-hmm. and so they just turn around and leave. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, oh, we're not getting a rise out of these guys. Eh, let's just go see what's yeah, in catering. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Hogan says that he feels really bad because he wanted to fight Piper tonight, but Piper's hiding in jail where half the population of California belongs. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gee, you guys, I wonder which particular California residents Hogan feels should be incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Uh, let that hang in the air there hogan rants and poses (laughs) as his music plays and the show ends and uh, i think we kind of preloaded our thoughts on that uh yeah it was i mean it's not bad i guess but it's just the same it's just the it didn't need to be there or like it could have been anywhere on the show i mean i guess it's the world title and it's it is their biggest star Mm -hmm. uh, there's you know i don't i don't mean to dismiss that but it was just this did nothing for me
4: yeah and there was there were elements of it that were weird. Like you mentioned like sting and savage were pretty much ignored. Yeah. Which yeah. Was I thought weird. that, that really hurt them. Yeah. And then there was a bit of like, um, they're like, let's wrap this up. Like they start playing yeah. the music and, but Hogan doesn't care. No, <laughs> he was just going on and on. But yeah, there was definitely like a bit of a rush to the end of that as well. And also it's just like, I don't feel like Hogan really covered any new ground, which was like, good thing we got this promo before super brawl. All right, so briefly, you guys, where would you
3: say right now, you as a fan, how hyped are you for Super Brawl uh, with the card as presented and the angles, storylines going into that show?
4: I think there's interesting things. I mean, I think the undercard's interesting. Like Jericho and Guerrero will be good. I think that Six and Malenko will be interesting. Um, I mean, the Steiner's being out is a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I did see like Diamond Page has a better opponent. At Super Brawl, because he's not sure. facing Bubber. Yep. yep. Uh, the spoiler is that he faces Buff Bagwall, Yep. Which would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, the world title match. I don't know. I, I was trying really hard to objectively think about it and think: Did I really think Piper was going to win? Mm-hmm. You know. And I think that's really the appeal because it's the rematch, and this one's like actually for the title. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did help their case, even though they pulled the rug out.
3: Uh, but they did help their case by giving Piper a very clean win over Hogan at, at Starcade. Yeah. So, like, you do as a fan believe, yeah, Piper can beat Hogan. Hogan is willing to do the job to this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it'll happen again. There's, there is reason to believe that in February of
5: 1997. Yeah. Yeah. I do think Nitro could have used just one of those segments where they run down the card, though. Yeah.
3: Um, a control room kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I th-
5: I think especially in the go-home for a pay-per-view, they should have done that because, like... I I could have figured out all the matches just watching this, but Mm -hmm. I had to look them up to figure out what precisely they were building towards. In some cases, I had
4: to note that like throughout the show, Tony Schiavone is very like desperate, almost to like get get (laughs) out as many remind you of all these different matches. it's,
5: It's I think one of the reasons maybe the show felt a little hectic and had a bunch of short matches is because every time a guy was coming out, he was explaining what's going on with them at the show instead of them having some kind of thing at the beginning where they just run the whole thing down but mm.
3: yeah so my overall thoughts uh on the show itself were this was a pretty uh average episode of night even below i would say yeah because there wasn't like a signature match to even point to there was st- some matches that were fine but generally they were so short that you can't they didn't live on in your mm. memory or
4: anything yeah i felt like that they did a, a fairly good job of uh mentioning all the matches for yeah. super brawl but nothing felt elevated mm-hmm uh, I mean, I think the one that came off best was probably Malenko and Six. Just personal, uh, but sure. but like, there there really is not a match where I'm like, oh, this really sold me on it tonight. Right. Yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. I like. I think the the booking in terms of who won and lost all the matches was pretty good. This show, um, all besides like the the referee match, um, all ten winners from this show um, we're also on the pay-per-view. So mm-hmm. I thought that was good. And um,
4: yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess uh,
5: I'm not really sure where I was going with that. <laughs> but,
4: um, but there, but this is also like this super brawl is one where I'm just kind of like, can some of these feuds please stop? Yes. Like, I would
3: love if I know I don't, I don't think it is, but
4: like if Sullivan and Benoit finally is the blow off, like yeah. I'll be so happy. <laughs> if, if that ends and they can, and, the McMichael Jarrett thing yeah. can finally end. Yep. That That's like the big thing from Super Bowl is like, can we finally move on from some of these storylines and get something fresh going on? All right. Well, skipping
3: over then to our raw recap. Uh, Mark Marrow defeated Salvio Vega by disqualification after interference from the Nation of Domination. Oh. The uh, new Intercontinental Champion Rocky Mayavia defeated Leaf Cassidy. Owen oh, heartbeat Hart beat Flash Funk while Paul Heyman called in to accept Jerry Lawler's challenge to bring ECW wrestlers to Raw next week. That's a big Raw. Yeah, we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Uh, Bart Gunn defeated Hunter Hearst Helmsley via countout. Psycho Sid then defeated Bret Hart to win the WWF championship that Hart had just won the night before. This occurred after Steve Austin hit Bret Hart with a chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after the match, The Undertaker, who had been earlier declared the number one contender for that Mania match, confronts uh, Sid in the ring. So you've then got your two biggest matches for WrestleMania right there. Bret Hart is going to be facing Steve Austin mad get uh, over the way he's been uh, robbed mm-hmm. of that WWF championship. And Sid and Undertaker will main event this year's show
4: yeah and that four corners match the undertaker was the last one eliminated right for brett to win so that, that kind of makes sense that they can make him the number one contender yep.
3: they do a pretty good job of of putting it all together very logically not only just you know in terms of what was planned but dealing with the fact that sean left mm-hmm. uh it's actually really impressive i think the booking on the fly yeah. over on the you, you can only,
4: you can see like the contrast between the two promotions as far as like how more capable wwf is of pipe and pay-per-views
3: yes and just their long-term planning Mm -hmm. uh and the way that like when you have that kind of planning you're able to be more deft when situations come up i think Mm -hmm. it always feels like we're playing fast and loose over (laughs) wcw yeah and there's a to a degree that sometimes works in their favor and Mm -hmm. sometimes it doesn't um but yeah that that booking all i really am just impressed with the way that all kind of panned out
4: yeah and i think we talked when we were looking at the whole like Sean and Brett thing. Mm-hmm. Like, um the thing that was most interesting to me, because I would have made the assumption that Brett didn't like being champion just for a day. You know? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. But, but, but reading from like, uh like different like reactions and things like that, I got the impression that Brett actually was like a big fan of that idea. And especially that like Steve Austin cost him. So he has like this really legit like blood feud with him because brett's always obsessed with being champion
3: yeah and he was really excited i think to work with austin yeah uh once you know it was clear that he wasn't going to be working with sean i think that was like a re- something he latched on to to kind of be like okay yeah i'm gonna have this like i i think he's- there's always bitterness in his mind that like yeah i was supposed to get this crowning moment mm. with the champion of wrestlemania now i'm not but like i get to work with a guy i like and respect and we're gonna put together an amazing match and- yeah
4: and then and then finally like the it's like so obvious when you think about it, but like the fact that Vince at this time was getting more and more <laughs> into Sid. Yes. Which is like a very Vince thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that like Bret Hart might have even lost like that title match, even if they were healthy, because he was more into the idea of Sid being champion sure. instead. So, uh,
3: In our ratings roundup, even having like coming off a title change and going into another title match, uh, Nitro beat Raw 2.9 to 2.1. Uh, and it was one of those where, like, they started on opposite ends where Raw was actually beating it for a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and, and I didn't watch the Raw match, but I just read a little bit about the the show. Uh, they they tease and failed to deliver the Sid-Brett match a couple times because yeah. they're trying to string you along to the end. Yep. And every time they did that, they lost viewers. It was not an effective strategy oh, sure. to to yeah. the end. Uh, so that by the end, Nitro was beating them handily, even though they were putting on, like, a title match involving two guys who are very over in Bret Hart and Sid. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just kind of a misfire there on the part of WWF. Uh, So that kind of gets us through everything except for, of course, our segment of the night and our MVP. Uh, I'll start, and we'll start with segment of the night. I'm going with uh, just the Steiner's car crash, that footage from the NWO. yep. Uh, I, you know, Nash and Hall quipping in the car is funny. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was really impressed with the way they filmed and hid the edits in that angle. I thought it was really, really well done. Yep. Um, considering the resources they had, I, I thought that was great. So that's my segment of the night. Uh, John, how about you?
5: Uh, I'm going to go public enemy and French Canadians. I I kind of like that match. And um, yeah, like I said, I think it's the best
4: public enemy match I've seen so far. So cool. that gets thumbs up for me um and for me i'll go with uh super kello versus ray mysterio jr i i mean again i you i always like super kello because you get what you expect out of him every time Mm -hmm. which is like potentially murdering himself (laughs) yeah um i just i know i just thought their match was pretty fun and the ray mysterio looked um you know really strong and that he got like he came out for the tv title match too that's like Two different appearances for Ray Mysterio. <laughs> sure, yeah. So good for him. All over the show. He's all over the show. And our and our future definitely television champion <laughs> after Super Brawl. So that was my match of the night. All right, Dave. We'll snake back with you. Then who was your MVP? Uh boy. I was I thought going into this I was gonna give it to Roddy Piper for that segment. Sure. But like it's it's not even like uh interesting, bad, or like weird or good. It's just kind of like he does a pretty average, like, standard promo It's just a, in Alcatraz. Exactly what I was yeah. going to say. It's
3: every Roddy promo you've ever seen just yeah. in Alcatraz. Yeah.
4: And you, you, I would almost think that, like, if he was just backstage with me and Gene just getting, over, like, worked up, that it would probably would have worked better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so for MVP, I'm going to give it to Prince Ikea. Yeah, sure. Why or not? Ikea. Yeah. Uh, Prince IKEA. Prince IKEA. IKEA. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's very easy to yeah. assemble. Yep. The Bjorkenstrand <laughs> champion. <laughs> right. <laughs> um but again like uh I mentioned before the idea that like I wanted to see if it felt like a legitimate like shocking victory mm. um and again since like the announcers don't know going into it that like I think they pulled it off really well. Yeah. And obviously it's like this is what Prince IKEA is like known for sure is like this one win this and the thing where he's does the
3: prince gimmick yes like those are as yes. a guy who didn't watch wrestling who were still like a year or two away from when i come back to wrestling yeah but when i did i was not really a wcw guy so the thing i knew <laughs> about him was he was doing the prince gimmick
4: you're right <laughs> so this is a highlight that he's proud of <laughs> um so yeah i'm gonna give my mvp to prince
3: ikea John, who is your MVP of the show?
4: I'm going Lee Marshall. Another successful
3: uh, road report. <laughs> um,
5: also avoided making gay jokes. Uh, yeah. Reporting from San Francisco, so well, good for him. Yep, another yeah. good segment.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think as your MVPs point out, it was tough a little bit to choose one from the show. Yeah. So I'm going with someone who I, you can't say they did like something amazing, but they were all over the show when you look back on it, and everything they did was was good. Maybe even slightly surprisingly uh, better than you'd think it would be. My MVP is Steve Mongo McMichael. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yep. Good selling in his match. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he he does the fun promo, hating the Bucks. He's out there arguing with Deborah. He's delivering Halliburton shots left and right. Yep. Uh, Godspeed, Steve Mongo McMichael, because <laughs> right. you were my MVP of the February seventeenth, nineteen ninety-seven, WCW. I'm putting him way more work than Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> true. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it feels good to be back. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back at you soon. Uh, you know, it won't be uh, what. August before you hear from us again, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll be back. You, like I said, no worldwide. We'll just be back to you next time. We'll start off with our uh, Super Brawl Seven results, and then we'll get right into the next Nitro. I'm excited. Yeah, a I'll, new chapter.
4: Yeah, I mean, knowing I won't have to take notes or anything for a three-hour pay-per-view, <laughs> I'll, I'll watch the pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah.
3: I've watched most of it. I just haven't quite finished uh, Super Brawl Seven, so yeah. yeah, I'm gonna watch the whole thing just so I can, yeah, just for
4: funsies. I know we've done it before where we've like been like. Um, this is the Dave Meltzer rating. Do you agree or disagree with I'm that one? I'm gonna skip that just because yeah. because like most of the matches are gonna be bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. One and a quarter stars. Do you agree that was a done? <laughs> <for the matches? laughs> right.
3: <laughs> it's but there's a couple matches on the show uh, where he says better than you'd think, and then the score is like one. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just really, really funny diss if you yeah. think about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, but good to be back with you boys, and good to be back with you two uh, audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll talk to you soon right here where the big boys play 20 years of Nitro.
11: Don't wrap this up. I'm not done. This fight.